Welcome to the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast with your host, two-time defending ATV motocross national champion, Cody Jensen. Am I on air? What's up, everybody? We're back. I'm your host, Cody Jansen, and welcome to episode 62 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. And this is a big one our Briarcliff review and 2021 season wrap up show presented by our title sponsor, CST Tires, available for purchase today at shop.csttires.com. You knew we had to go big and end this legendary season with a bang, so we have an array of guests lined up for you tonight. Speaking of legendary, Chad Weenan just tied the most iconic record in all of ATV racing and joined the great Gary Denton in the eight titles club. Chad will join us to talk about this truly unbelievable achievement for him tonight on this episode. And the most Chad Weenan-like female racer, if you will, is three-time defending WMX national champion Andrea Berger, who also won the B-class at Briarcliff. We'll talk to her later in this episode. The season finale also marked the conclusion of our first season of Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy. We crowned a champion last Saturday, Aaron Bates. He'll join us briefly tonight for a little fantasy talk. Excited for that. A lot of us played. A lot of you guys played. So uh, we'll hear the champ's strategy and a little bit more about his season. So congrats to him, and we'll hear from him a little later. And finally, two voices that you're already familiar with and we'll hear throughout the episode here. Casey Greek will join us one final time this season, and so will Briarcliff's own Jeremy Osborne, once again joining us to talk about hosting the finale in his backyard. You heard from him last week and thought it'd be exciting to get him on this episode as well. We'll discuss everything that happened at Briarcliff, break down all the points battles we've been following, and complete our coverage of a truly historic season. You can't call yourself an avid ATV motocross fan if you don't enjoy the heck out of this stuff. And this episode delivers in a major way. So let's dive right in. Major thanks to our sponsors. And remember guys, by supporting Digging Deep, these companies are showing that they prioritize and believe in the sport that we love. So the best thing we can do is support these great companies. CST Tires, go to shop.csttires.com. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI Decal, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Their Clippers Rock, their nose hair trimmer is amazing, and they have brand new industry-leading products that just hit the market as well. I know some of you get a little thrown off by the word manscaping, but but I'll tell you, the new Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped is my secret to keeping a perfect beard. Shh. This new electric trimmer is so nice that it's allowed me to step up my beard game and take it to another level. So check out Manscaped. I wish I would have sooner. Get 20% off with free shipping by using code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support all the great companies that support us. And for any products that fall through the cracks, you know the drill. Click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. By accessing Rocky Mountain from our specific link, we get a percentage of that on the backside, and we both know you need parts and gear. So the easiest way to help us out is by using that Rocky Mountain-specific link instead of the standard link, and that's a great way to support us, and we really appreciate that. No matter what off-road gear parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered. So before you buy, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out in a major way, and again, we can't thank you enough for that. 
We have one new slash returning donor to shout out this week. Shout out to Ed Hayden, who has donated in the past, but is back continuing to diligently support us. So Ed, we appreciate you so freaking much between equipment and the programs to run this thing and the development of fantasy and everything in between. There's a lot of expense when it comes to digging deep and obviously it's so worth it, but help like this, uh, any help really goes a long way. So Ed Hayden, you're the man, pal. Thank you so much for anyone else who's interested in possibly supporting us in this way. You can find the Patreon or buy me a coffee donation links on our website for, again, for anybody interested in donating. Thanks so much again, guys. Now the 32nd board is up. It's sideways and the gate is down. Time to dig deep. Let's go. All right, guys, what a season finale. The racing and Briarcliff in its entirety lived up to all the hype. Looking forward to breaking it all down at what was truly a legendary event. Here one final time before we head into the offseason, brought to you by Valvoline, the original motor oil. Check out their full line of products at Valvoline.com today. From Impact Solutions, say hello to Mr. Casey Greek. What's up, Casey? Hey, Cody. Thanks for having me again. I'm excited to be here to wrap this season up and uh, start heading towards getting ready for 2022. Always grateful to have you, pal. Thanks for coming back. And also joining us tonight, he joined us last week, and I thought it'd be fun to get him back on after what he referred to as his Super Bowl, brought to you by our friends at Yamaha and the Race Ready YFZ450R. Go to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow Yamaha Outdoors on social media, and check out Yamaha's full off-road lineup today at YamahaOutdoors.com. It's promoter and owner of Briarcliff himself, Mr. Jeremy Osborne. Jeremy, welcome back. Are you uh, any more relaxed this week with the big event in the rear view now? Uh, a little bit. I'm, I'm still trying to recover uh, from the weekend, but I, I definitely feel better than I did uh, about a week ago. That's for sure. I bet. So, Jeremy, we'll obviously get into the racing, uh, but overall, from a promoter's perspective, how did the, the ATV Motocross National Championship season finale go right there at your very own track at Briarcliff? I thought it worked out pretty well. Um, everything seemed to fall into place with the exception of the weather Saturday night into Sunday. Um, everybody had fun. The feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, I, I mean, I think things kind of just fell our way. It, it worked out pretty well. I, uh, from everything I saw, Jeremy, it looked like everybody was, was super stoked on how it went. I mean, the numbers looked really good, which I totally expected spectator turnout looked amazing. And it looked like all the extra special stuff that you guys did was a big time hit the Memorial lap, uh, prayed lap for Michelle Jenkins, the movie night, the pit quad races, um, and the WMX signing. I mean, all that stuff looked like it went over super, super well. It went really well. I, I wish I could have multiplied myself and uh, been able to absorb more of those special moments. I was around for Michelle's lap. Uh, obviously, the pit quad racing, I was kind of in the center of that uh, mayhem. Uh, movie night, I was there, but I, I kind of missed out on the autograph signing. I, I heard it went pretty well. I was buried and getting ready for Promoto 1. Um but overall, yeah, all those little things kind of added up into just a, a, a really cool weekend. And I think a lot of people appreciated it. 
Yeah, I think so too. Casey, we'll go to you. Jeremy called it their Super Bowl. He said they were pulling out all the stops to knock it out of the park, and all indications are that that's exactly what happened. I saw tons of people saying that this should be an annual stop on the tour. I saw multiple comments that it should be the finale every year because Jeremy and his Briarcliff crew truly uh, made it an event, just as was his motivation. So, Casey, uh, they waited seven long years for this opportunity. I know we have Jeremy right here with us, but give us your synopsis of the 2021 Briarcliff ATV Motocross National. Yeah, and it kind of runs into my impact moment of the week. Um, and I just have some notes written down. You know, I felt like the track was really good. It was definitely fast. Um, at first, I was a little, say, nervous about how fast I thought it was going to be, but it, it actually worked out really well. The track crew did great. And then for, like, the impact moment was really the vibe. And it's, you know, the events that Jeremy and his team put on for us you know, between fireworks, the 90 pit quad race, the memorial lap for Michelle Jenkins, the WMX autograph signing, the premiere of uh, the Butter film. I think all of that is what a lot of these promoters, they need to go back and take some notes. And that's why the crowd was so big. I mean, there's an iconic picture that I think you posted on your social medias of the amount of people that were up there in the center. And that's that's the moment is we had that many people there and that many people got to witness some really good racing. So for me, it's, it's that, and you know, it's, it's a hats off to the entire Briarcliff Briarcliff crew. I can't speak today. Um, bad day for that, but, um, no, that that's where I was at with it. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the racing. I thought the track was great. Friday was definitely uh, wet to start out with, but I know they got some serious rain and then just trying to prep to stay ahead of the dust. So I think those are the things you have to do when you're going to put that many machines over a track that many times. So uh, zero complaints for me. I'm excited and I agree. It should be a stop on the tour every year. Yeah, for sure. I was thinking that this was going to probably bleed into your impact solutions impact moment where we highlight something good and positive happening in ATV motocross. And yeah, you, you, uh, hit on exactly what I thought you were going to, uh, as I posted, um, you know, don't let anybody tell you that ATV motocross is not alive and well, there's tons of people out there that, you know, like to, uh, say that it's not like it used to be, but man, seeing the pictures of all the spectators, it's not just the, the pictures of looking at the actual like crowd. I mean, every racing picture you see where there's a fence, there's people hanging from the fences. It was, it was awesome. So Jeremy, you too. I mean, I'm sure you had to have been pleased with the, with the people that came out. I was wondering if it, um, if it like surpassed your expectation as far as spectators and people in general. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I honestly was kind of setting myself up for a, uh, a mid four hundreds entry number being okay. it was the last round and you know, school's back in and kids are in sports and it's Labor Day weekend. People have family traditions, but mm-hmm. I was pretty blown away that we, we did get as many entries as we did. Um, and the, and I, I <clears throat> the spectator turnout was amazing. Um, we had a pretty good sized spectator turnout in 14, and I knew that was kind of a key to making this event successful. Mm-hmm. So I, I spent a lot of time uh, marketing. We ran radio ads. Um, we gave away a lot of tickets to different groups to help us promote it. Um, so I, 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 I'm, in some ways, I expected it, but I had my fingers crossed at the same time. 
Yeah, for sure. And uh, Casey, so you're kind of from that, you've been in that Ohio area for, uh, you spent a lot of time over there. You've been, you know, you spent a good amount of your time in that Ohio area. That's such a hotbed for quads. Um, We talked with Jeremy on the last episode saying that I think that we should always go and race over there because it's such a hotbed for ATVs. And also like, I like racing this time of year. I think it's a little, it's cool to race a little bit into the fall um, instead of, I mean, and I'm a Midwest guy, so maybe that's why, but the spring, you know, you're battling the weather, you're battling, uh, some cool conditions and stuff like that. And, and little seat time in the fall, you're all warmed up. You've had a summer to ride and everything else. And the weather's so pleasant this time of year. I just, I like kind of, and it, and it was, it did seem weird at first to not have Loretta's be the, the finale, but, um, I think Briarcliff might be the spot to be for this finale going forward, because like, you know, you guys touched on, it was truly an event, which was Jeremy's goal. And I just, I, I like the fact that we race a little bit later into the year. And like I said, the weather's so good and stuff like that. I just, I really like that thought. Yeah, for sure. I, I have no issues with it being the last race of the year. Um, <clears throat> maybe we can get Jeremy to put in some cabins for us and a pool. So then we can bring <laughs> the family. For me, it's easy to bring the family when I got a place to stay with everyone right there on premises mm-hmm. and I can just send the wife and kids down to the pool. But I mean, no, it, it in all honesty, like not because Jeremy's on the phone, like are with us right now. I, I had a good feeling about the event that Ohio area has always been really good for ATV racing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, like Josh Upperman came out, you know, he's a probably an hour and a half from there. So it was cool to see Josh again. There's a lot of guys that the one guy I expected to see, and I think he had some stuff going on and maybe he was down in Florida was Tim Farr. He didn't end up making it, but, um, you know, just getting to see some guys that we haven't seen in a while, being local to them that are legends of the sport and and make the sport what it is. You know, it's like every year we go to Redbud and guess who comes out of the woodwork? Harold Goodman. You know, Doug Gus usually shows up. And so that kind of stuff, it's, it's exciting. And um, putting on an event or holding an event is two different things. And this event was put on. Uh, agreed a hundred percent. Um, so yeah, kind of to wrap that up, that impact solutions, impact moment, uh, Jeremy and his crew slayed the event. So I'm looking forward to talking about it more here. Um, so let's get into the racing then as, uh, as we knew this would be a legendary event on track. We were obviously highlighting a number of storylines coming in Chad Wienan being on the verge of clinching his record tying eighth title, uh, Bryce Ford trying to hold off Jeffrey Rostrelli for third in the series and Nick Janusa and Max Linquist battling it out for fifth in the championship championship. And that last one is the one that was probably most intriguing to me uh, because they basically came in as a toss up. There was only two points separating Max Linquist and Nick Janusa there, but that intrigue ended pretty quickly as we lost Max Linquist pretty much at the start of the first qualifier, Casey. Yeah, just a weird bounce. And then, you know, a small injury and, you know, any injury is a big injury. So I don't want to downplay it in that sense, but obviously Max felt like he was in a position after he, you know, he come back that he could circulate the track and try to benefit. And it would have, from talking to Max and his mom, it would have helped him, I think, stay sixth in points versus seventh. I think Brandon Hogan ended up getting around him in points. Um, But I think, you know, rules are rules. I don't know the exact rule, the way it (laughs) fell down. I don't know exactly how all that went to where Max felt that he had, you know, he could go line up again, but I know Harv, um, end up putting the shutdown on that. Um, I said, I think over the broadcast during the race, when I was announcing that he had a concussion, he did not have a concussion. I did get clarified on that very adamantly um, by Max and his family. They're like, he doesn't have a concussion. So 
I thought that's why he got pulled off the line. Um, but it is what it is at this point. You know, Max has nothing left to prove to us as a rookie. You know, he's got everything in the world to prove to, to the entire community next year that he can back up his results. Mm-hmm. And for Janusa, I mean, yeah, did Janusa Janusa wanted to race for that position, not sort of, quote unquote, get it handed to him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Max was on a hot streak and Nick was coming fire, too. So with the way the results went without Max in there, Janusa had a stellar day. Yeah. So a couple things to touch on there. So yes, Max wanted to clear the air that he did not have a concussion. I'm assuming kind of surrounding that topic. That's why he was not allowed to race. Right. Um, you, you take a concussion test and when he went to the hospital, he wouldn't have went through that concussion protocol test, uh, to clear himself. So I'm, I'm assuming that that had something to do with it. But, um, the one thing I did want to be able to say is Nick Janusa, if he went out there and rode the way he did and got third overall, I think he went three, four, um, to do that. I mean, he could have, he was probably going to get the spot. I mean, or at least it would have been a gnarly, gnarly battle. Cause Nick was on uh, on Saturday more than we've seen them. So, uh, so I'll let you guys in on a little something. So I put out a post on, on Saturday morning that Max was out for the day leading up to Moto one there. And then, uh, when they were on the gate, I got a text from Logan Tremell and shout out Tremell and media house. And it says Max is racing. So I'm scrambling. Uh, I went to post about it quick because I wanted people to know that this was happening. And then moments later, I got another one, another text that said, maybe not officials aren't going to let him race. Then a few hours later, I basically got the same messages from Josh Klein's shout out, uh, PH three photos there, uh, that they must've, his must've came through later because of the sketchy service out there. So, uh, then fast forward to Monday morning when I talked to Max and he said he wanted to clear the air. Like I said, he did not have a concussion, which again, I assume that's why we didn't see Max line up to, to have the ability to line up there, but he had suffered a broken collarbone. So maybe, uh, it was good that he ultimately didn't go back out there, but point being Max Lindquist wanted to go out there with a broken collarbone. So he's a bad dude, Jeremy, I haven't had you, uh, weigh in on this. I'll give you a chance now. Yeah, I uh, I heard it come over the radio, and I instantly thought, oh, great. Uh, what happened? I wasn't up there on that part of the track. I was down more in the lower area. So my mind's, you know, kind of racing. I'm thinking, oh, boy, how bad was it? You know, what happened? How did he do it? Is the jump starting to, to go away? And, you know, all these thoughts and uh you know, and, and after the fact, I, I kind of learned somebody, somebody actually had told me it was his elbow. I actually am just now learning it was collarbone. Um, but I, I was down in staging when he tried to to run the first moto. And I, I thought that was uh, pretty, pretty uh, badass of him to even try it. Uh, I was pretty bummed when he he wasn't allowed to race. Yeah, us too. Um, and I know that he's kind of a guy that um, you know, you were kind of pulling for whatever, maybe that's not, not the right way to say it, but you lobbied to have him on the shirt and stuff like that. So, um, hate, hate to see that happen to that guy. Uh, and he said to me, he said he would have loved a shot at fifth and points, but he admitted that he has much bigger goals than that, that that's the important thing right now. So Casey, that really speaks to just the competitive nature. And, uh, like, like Jeremy said, the bad assness of, of Max Lindquist, only 17 years old, Max Lindquist. And he's, he's, he's some, something else. He's cut from a different cloth. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, he's proven that he's the real deal and, you know, we're going to get to see more of that next year. And, that's exciting. Um, I mean, like I said it, and I said it even at the race, like 
he has nothing more to prove this year. He, you know, back-to-back podiums, very consistent results, you know, with a couple little hiccups here, but, you know, the kid's on fire and he's going to be just fine, you know, get healed up. And, you know, I definitely look forward to seeing him out there next year and seeing what he can do as a sophomore in this class and, you know, getting, getting in the groove now. I think uh, the first year Jenners are definitely gone, which he never looked like he had them anyways, (laughs) but you know, um, he's going to be fine. It's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Riders take seem to take big steps in their sophomore and then their third season, um, as pros. And that's, a that's something that his competitors probably don't want to hear because his starting point has been is higher, higher than any rookie that I can remember in recent memory. So, uh, Chad Wienan actually takes the top spot in qualifying, which was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, uh, Joel had been fast qualifier eight times this season, and I guess we didn't really know how safe Chad was going to play it. Um, but it, it went, Weenan, Hetrick, Hogue, Bryce Ford, and Janusa heading into the motos. Uh, Jeremy, tell us about the track itself. Did you guys do anything special to prompt great ATV racing, the great ATV racing that we, we would see later in the day? Uh, looked to me like you had put in some split lines and stuff. Um, just some seemed like some obstacles specifically geared towards prompting some good ATV racing itself. So tell me about that. Tell me about the track. We, we, we made some attempts at that. We, uh, you know, we definitely look at guys like Sunset Bob. He, he does the best job, in my opinion, with the split lanes. Um, we had some split lanes designed, and we put them in. And I, I talked with Chad, actually. Might have been Saturday morning or Friday morning. I don't recall which day. And he, he gave me a couple other suggestions. And we, we took a crack at a few of those and it just added some humps on insides of turns and different places. Uh, I thought it worked well. I mean, could it be better? Definitely. Um, I think we could add some more of that split lane type option stuff in other places and, and could have made it even better. Well, it looked, it looked like an absolute blast. So uh, if this is your starting point, um, if you get that opportunity in years, uh, going forward here, I think that that's music to everybody's ears. So did it look to anyone else that Chad had found something with the starts heading into the finale here, because he grabbed two clutch hole shots on the day to stay completely out of harm's way. Really Casey, uh, what do you see when Chad grabbed that hole shot in moto one? I mean, Chad starts have been improving, you know, all year and in, in, in a sense, but yeah, I mean, he put himself in a position and he put himself out there to fight. You know, he didn't necessarily have to beat Joel, but just because these guys are racers, like they want to win every time they get on the track. We've talked about it before. He's not laying down. He wasn't going out there in championship mode. I'm just going to follow Joel around. So to pull two really solid starts, I mean, he's definitely um, figured his start game out. And I'd say it's this entire year. And, you know, I think his position on the gate was really well, um, you know, Technically, Michael Allred almost got that first one. He just overshot the corner a little bit. But coming into the corner, he was, I think, the first one in there. And Chad's position was just a little bit better than his. 
and better than Joel's. Well, Chad starts. Uh, there's no denying that. Yeah, he's peaking at the right time. Uh, it just stood out to me for him to get two of them against Joel, who I think either had 18 or 19 hole shots this year. When you do the math, that's that's crazy. So, um, so yeah, that's saying something. But yeah, he put himself in good position, and there was there there very well might have been more jostling in this moto than any other race all year, mostly because there was a first lap tangle with a number of key players: Jeffrey Restrelli, Bryson, Cody Ford, Brandon. Hogue, I think Stanfield was in that mess as well. So Casey, could you see that from the tower where you were announcing or what do you see there? They would come over that like wall jump. And then that's kind of where it happened. Either happened right before or right after. And we couldn't see it all that great. We couldn't tell exactly who was in there. And I actually watched the ATV vision um, recap to see if I could get a better view of it. And there's a quick view from Jeffrey's helmet cam yep. from the GoPro that he was wearing for, uh, for Gloop. And it just looks like he was coming in and there was a guy right in front of him. I think I can't remember who it was now. I think, I think him and Allred touched tires or something. Did you see that? Yeah. Maybe I don't think they ever made any contact because it was like Michael was coming down to dive in the inside and Jeffrey was just coming in and it's like, he just hooked a left real quick and it flipped him. And then everyone just boom, Mm -hmm. boom, 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 right in. I mean, I think in the little clip that we can see in that Brandon Hogue's bike's not even on the ground. It's not upside down. It's Mm -hmm. just in the air suspended by everyone else's tires. So, you know, that definitely put a couple guys that got some bad starts in some really good position there to be able to make a run at, you know, either their first top tens or whatever it was. And I mean, we've seen Michael Allred just go out there and slay it in that first moto. I mean, really both motos, Michael rode really well, Mm -hmm. you know, for a seven, eight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he tied for sixth overall, technically with 27 points. So, um, you know, it's what I've said for years and, you know, on a bunch of these shows is starts is everything. And he got himself into a really good position coming out third, you know, right there with um, Joel Hedrick and Chad Weenan and it put him in a good position for the rest of the moto. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, shout out to Gloop, obviously, for that video coverage. Um, if you watch the ride, there is actually a few other helmet cams. It must be Janusa, maybe. That's in that mm. pile up. So you get a couple more more uh, more views of it there. So while Chad and Joel are checking out, like you said, Michael Allred uh, runs third for a couple laps inside the top five until the midway point. He ultimately ended up seventh in the first moto. Awesome ride for Mike. Shout out to him. Uh, but Nick Janusa, he really sees the opportunity. Um, we knew that it was, it was, uh, kind of a prove it day for him, but then Max goes out. So he didn't necessarily have to step up to the plate. Like he would have had to, but he chose to anyway. Um, he was, uh, basically by himself in this moto with, um, the entire tier two pack basically tangled up together, uh, referring to in digging deep ATVMX fantasy terms, but Nick checked out, he rode all by himself in third for 11 laps all the way to the finish. Uh, do you get to see any of this racing, Jeremy? I'm sure you had a million things going on, but I wanted to, wanted to get your opinion here. I, I saw some of the moto. I, I, I can't say that I watched the entire thing like wire to wire because things were coming over the radio and go check this and go check that. But, uh, okay. Um, I was pretty limited on Jeffrey's uh, bobble there uh, to the helmet cam. I, I do know it got pretty rough and choppy. So after that wall jump that Casey alluded to, there's another little hump, and then it goes into a, a right-hander. <clears throat> right before that, the little hump, and right after, it, it got pretty whooped out. So I could see how he might have just caught one of those wrong, and maybe it took 
took his hands off or feet off or, or something or who knows. And if a couple guys did that at the same time, it wouldn't be very difficult to create a pile up. So, mm-hmm. um, but the, the racing was awesome. I mean, the whole first moto, I was, I was pretty pumped the little bits I got to see. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was wondering, um, and I guess something you just said, Jeremy sparked it, but I was wondering, was that section tilled where they got, um, where they got piled up? Because I wondered if it, maybe it was a little deep and that's what caused, uh, you know, if, if Jeffrey's, you know, body weight or something got a little forward on the bike, maybe that's why that thing went left. That was just, it, was it, tilled? it wasn't, it wasn't freshly tilled okay. before moto okay. one, we did the start. And I think the rest of the track had gotten some water, like two motos prior. Gotcha. Um, but there was a lot of mulch in that area added before the weekend. So it, like I said, I, Kenzie was out moto, I don't know, 26. And she said she about went over the bars there. It, uh, <laughs> so it, was it got pretty rough. Yeah. yeah, it was nasty. Uh, okay. So yeah. Um, there was that tangle up there, but Nick Janusa sees the opportunity. Uh, he takes off in third great ride for him. The most impressive ride of the day might've been Bryce Ford and his furious charge to the front after that tangle early in this one. So he crossed the line the first time in 13th by lap six, he was already in the top five. The following lap, he had safely got into fourth where he would finish. Uh, Brandon Hogue would do something very similar. He charged up to sixth, came from the back kind of uh tag teamed or in tandem with bryce ford uh but what a serious charge to the front casey yeah and rostrelli had you know not to cut bryce's deal off there we'll go back to that here in a second rostrelli actually was in a really good position yes, and you know came back after that tangle and the bobble that they had mm-hmm. and then worked his way up and then you do the triple and you make the right hander it's kind of off camber I don't know what it exactly happened, but he, you know, and after the race, he's, he told me, he's like, I threw it away. That was all on me. I made the mistake, you know, and then to get back up and still finish fifth was, you know, impressive. But yeah, Bryce coming from being pretty much under Brandon Hogue's bike with Cody, like they were all kind of locked wheels there and to get out and to ride back to a fourth position there. I mean, that's exactly what he needed to do. He knew he had to stay really close to Rastrelli to you know end up and then to end up beating him in that first moto you know even by one position the points were so close that that was almost enough to secure it in a sense yep yep that was big uh yeah i thought the same exact thing at one point jeffrey was really putting himself in a good position where he might have been within striking distance in that second moto of this you know, kind of of this points race for third. And then he suffers that mistake. And I was thinking, and I think I did post about it yesterday, but I wondered, you know, on the first lap, Bryce is tangled up in this, in this melee. I had to believe that there was probably some panic there for a second inside Bryce's helmet on, on, you know, Hey, I got to go. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you see the guy that you're racing the points right away from you. That's, that's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. yeah he gets out of the pile up first and takes off and you're still fighting to get out and you got three or four guys in front of you. You definitely, I mean, you don't know that you're going to be able to make it through or not. You know, I, I think Bryce is confident enough in his, in his speed that he knew he would make it through enough to, you know, at least finish behind Rostrelli. But, um, you know, you don't know that you don't know what else is going to go on. Right. And we saw earlier in the season, I think it was high point where Bryce had a motor where he, 
crashed once and then ended up like crashing another time or two and only got up, you know, near the top 10. Um, so what he did there, it was, it was really impressive. So, uh, near the midway point of Moto one, Joel makes a killer move on Chad, squaring him up in a 180 um, and slid right by him after that triple, I believe, uh, looked like a beautiful move. We saw it on the highlight video. Did anybody see that? Um, it was textbook. Yeah. I, I got to see it from up in the tower there and, uh, it was just, you know, Joel looked like, you know, I don't want to say Daytona Joel again, but he, he looked like he was just so comfortable on that track and with his machine and everything was, you know, he was firing on all cylinders. So, you know, we talked about, you know, some of the comments he made at Loretta's about, you know, how he was moving and doing all this stuff. I think he's been riding again and his training regimen is back to hundred percent. And he just looked completely in control of the race, even when he was in second place, you know, for the first half of the race or so. And, you know, the passes he made were incredible. I mean, he just did what he wanted to do without anything. I mean, and almost like watching even the video, getting to see it a little bit closer, almost pushing Chad into lines that Chad necessarily might not want to take or pushing Chad to a speed that Chad might not have had to go or wanted to go to make him force, you know, Chad to the outside a little bit without ever even being, you know, tire to tire with them. And that's what I, you know, I like to see out of, you know, all these riders, like the confidence in knowing like, hey, I'm a little bit faster than the guy in front of me and I'm going to push him. I'm going to take the underline, you know, cut the corner off a little bit more than he is. And then when he sees my wheels, it's going to offset him a little bit. So it pushes him a little bit out. Chad loses a tent there. The next corner he loses a tent. All of a sudden, Joe just slingshots around the inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joel looked like, like you said, uh, like he was really locked in, uh, looked like he could basically put that thing anywhere. So it was impressive. Uh, he would go on to win um, that motor by three and a half seconds. Chad uh, would come through in second. He now only needed 14th or better in Moto2 to claim his eighth title. Nick Janusa, like we said, put on a heck of a ride to finish third in that Moto. Bryce Ford passed uh, as many guys as he could um, on that furious charge for him. He ended up finishing fourth. And Jeffrey Rastrelli, Casey, you touched on him a little bit. He flipped early, uh, said he made another mistake there. You were telling us about that, Casey, on lap five when he lost three positions. But eventually he got up to fifth. It was a great way to bounce back after bouncing off the the ground for Jeffrey. Um, but yeah, he hated to give up another point or two to Bryce, uh, heading into moto two. So, uh, heading into moto two, then, uh, Chad Weenan rips another, a second clutch hole shot. Uh, Chad and Joel run basically bumper to bumper until Joel overtakes Chad in nearly the same spot. I think it was one corner later, um, on lap eight and, uh, Joel ends up winning that moto and the overall with one, one scores on the day. He, uh, won the battle, but Chad won the war with his two, two day at Briarcliff accompanied by four wins and five runner up finishes earlier in the season. Chad Weenan had clinched his eighth professional ATV motocross national title, tying the great Gary Denton's legendary record, a record that uh, was thought to be really uncatchable. Chad Weenan had done it with his eighth title in 10 years. It is time. I'm proud to welcome your eight time ATV motocross national champion to the podcast, Mr. Chad Weenan. All right, guys, it is time brought to you by SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship level graphics. Check out SSI's new and improved website today at SSIDecals.com. It's my pleasure to welcome your eight time AMA ATV motocross national champion, Mr. Chad Weenan. Chad, what's up? Thanks so much for giving us a little bit of your time on your championship tour here. <laughs> Thank you, Cody, man. 
that feels good to hear. And man, it's a, it's a, you know, a true blessing of what, uh, what kind of career I've been able to build and with the team behind me and everybody really pushes, pushes hard year after year. And, uh, man, just, it's surreal to, uh, to be in this position. So eight, I mean, last year, I remember saying this word for word. I remember saying seven freaking championships to you. So now it's eight freaking championships, eight titles won in the last 10 years. And no one has more professional ATV racing titles than you now, Chad. What goes through your mind when you hear those words? Uh, honestly, like not done. <laughs> You know, uh, I feel like I got some more in the tank, but man, like um, being amongst the Gary Denton of the sport and man, that's just like, uh, it's a surreal thing and it's, uh, it's humbling. And, you know, I, I, I give so much for the sport and it's been able to give me, you know, some good moments back. And, um, you know, I'm just really uh, blessed for that opportunity and also to share this with my family and to have my grandparents in attendance for the final round there and, that was just like toppy on the cake for sure. Mm -hmm. It's funny you say that because uh, just at the dinner table tonight, uh, my mom had said, Hey, did you see that? That, you know, Chad had his grandparents there. The pictures were uh, iconic. I'm sure they'll be burned in your memory for forever, but yeah, like touching on Gary Denton there, like the way that the way that we've been selling it and it's fact, but a decade ago, you know, Gary Denton has eight titles. No one else has more than four and you hadn't won any yet at that point, despite being in the class for six or seven years, racing the pro class. And, uh, now look where you are. I mean, we throw this round, this word around too often, but by definition where you are now with eight titles, it's truly, it's truly unbelievable Chet. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And, you know, reaching out to a lot of, a lot of people that have been there since, you know, day one of us, creating weenie motorsports and the Yamaha team they were there i mean obviously there's a ton of people but there was like about four or five really tight selected people that went into this effort that to got to get it off the ground and start winning that first championship and man like reminiscing of like those days with them on the way home and it's it, you know it's just a it's it's a beautiful thing and uh it goes to show that the hard work that you put in and that put the right people in the right places that you can really create some dreams, you know, make them come true. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the hard work, I mean, you know, better than anybody, but the, the hard work, the sacrifice, the, the trials and tribulations, all of that stuff is what makes it so special. And then to go along with having that great group and sharing those memories and sharing that grind with the people that you care about and the people that you love, um, in your support group, they're like, that's what makes it all so special. You know, if it was easy, it wouldn't be so special. It's that you dedicate you know, yourself to the hilt and have sacrificed a ton and given your life to this thing. That's why it's so special. And that's why you are where you are today. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, 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 it's one of those things where like I take a lot of pride in what I do and I do everything to the fullest and, you know, having my hands in on just about everything in the program, like, like I'm driving the motor home, I'm driving everything. I'm driving it to the, to the, to the track. I'm setting up the tent. I'm, you know, I'm prepping my machines, I'm building my engines. The only things I really don't, I haven't dove into is, is shocks. Like, like that's the only thing that I, not the only thing that I leave up to other people, but like, I don't build my own chassis stuff, like, mm -hmm. like, uh, arm components, but I have great people in those positions that I trust and they take so good a care of me. And 
um, it's, it's not the one person, but man, it's a team and the group behind you. And like, I just feel like we, we've really created a strong bond with everybody that is on the team and everybody knows their job and they know that it creates, you know, big things at the end of the year when we execute all the, the bullet points that we need to do. And it, creates championships. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the path that you've been on and and kind of where you started, and I say this all the time, but as you inch closer to this milestone, I've said it more and more, but no one has a story like yours. Like that's, that's what makes it so incredible where you are today is where you are started. And when you started, uh, the fact that nobody has that story, Um, that part is something I'll always highlight as long as I'm doing this, because I think it's a story that continues to, to need to be said. And like, it's incredible. Like no, again, nobody has the story you have. Yeah. Uh, It's a, you never forget where you come from and, you know, you always, uh, you know, thank and, uh, always in debt to everybody. That's always giving you that extra little bit and that little bit of chance that they give you along the way. And yeah, I mean, the story's awesome, but man, like it, it's so fun living in the present right now with my family and, and being able to do all this with them and uh, create new memories. And obviously try to re- remember those ones that we've, uh, that we've passed along. And uh, it's, you know, it, it's just so humbling really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The part that sticks out to me, Chad, is that, is that basically like, anything is possible, you know, like any of those people at the racetrack, um, no matter the age, no matter what class you're in or whatever, like if you work hard enough, like that's what, that's what I take from your story. If, if you work hard enough, anything is possible, you know, like, um, I, I think we said it on this episode at some point that there are people that like, you know, you made it a number of years in the pro class before you, you, you know, were the Chad Ween and we know today, um, yeah. Some people don't make it those six or seven years. They don't hang in there that long. So you, again, with hard work, like you made it happen, but you never had a red carpet rolled out for you. You never had a paved way for you. You just made it happen. Yeah. I mean, it's true. You know, like the hard work will trump, you know, talent any day. And Mm -hmm. I didn't come from a, like a background of, you know, amateur racing that I just dominated championships and had like a, a, a very smooth path, but I mean, honestly, it, like all these guys, they work as hard as they can and they give everything they got. And mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, you just have that little bit that you just, at the end of the day, like they say, like the, you know, the, the extra go the extra mile. It's, uh, it's seldomly, you know, very populated and packed, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm, I'm a true believer of that. And, you know, I'm, I always set goals to myself and I try to surpass them and, it's, um, you know, just having that amateur career and then jumping up to the pros and having to dig it out for several years. I knew that I had something, but I mean, I didn't know that, you know, once I lost my factory ride with, uh, you know, Can-Am and broke my back that I was going to come back and I'm going to win eight championships in 10 years. Like that's, that's uh, pretty mind blowing. If you were to tell me that back then, that's for sure. It's, it's it's like I said, it's unbelievable. It's amazing. It'll it'll, it'll go down as as legend, um, you know, for forever. Uh, so so Gary Denton actually reached out to you following the the clinching of your number eight this past weekend. You shared that on your social media. How much did that mean to you? Oh man, like you know, you don't 
like I follow Gary on, you know, the, you know, on his social media and stuff like that. And, you know, man, like he'll show me, he'll send me blurbs here and there, like great job and stuff like that. But like, mm-hmm. you know, it was very cool that he took the time to write that. And, you know, I'm, I'm joining him in the, you know, the championship category, but I, I still see him as like being the, they, they go to the sport and, you know, I, I, I feel like uh, being categorized uh, with that. Like, I just want to be, I just want to be like the best that I can be and just continue to get better. And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm at 36 years old that I still have the ability to be able to do that. And um, I'm, I'm not necessarily like chasing championships, but I'm just chasing to be the best that I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that uh, that's obviously what, what's fueled you uh, all these years is to be the best that you can, because otherwise um, there's nothing that you haven't done obviously at this point. Uh, yeah. So I, I knew I knew even if I asked you that you'd say, you know, Gary Denton was the goat and I don't want to compare or, or debate that. I mean, that, that has no place here. Uh, but you know, like there's people out there, um, you know, that have things to say. And I was curious your opinion, like what your response is, um, you know, when people say it was more difficult when Gary Denton was winning in the late eighties and early nineties, like the go-to argument seems to be that, you know, it was the GNC era, right. With the combination of TT and MX style racing it was a totally different era of ATV racing, of course. But I think that like, there are also factors that you could argue that it was more difficult today. So again, I'm not trying to compare, like, that's no. not it. That's not it. But I was just curious, like what your response would be, um, you know, to the notion that it was more difficult back then. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, let's say like comparing to basketball, I, I, I will always see that MJ is uh, the greatest of all time, you know, just mm-hmm. growing up in that era and stuff like that and watching him play. And, um, you know, honestly, like Gary, I never, like I've seen like some video or stuff like that of him racing, but he was before my, my, you know, coming up in that area, I was big into right. like the, the Timmy Farr, you know, he was my idol and, really looked up to him and Timmy Farr reached out to me too, you know, on winning the championship. And man, like I told him like, man, you're, you're the guy that I looked up to. And he's like, and he told me, he's like, you know what? I like, I look up to you too. Like, I mean, that's pretty, that's very cool of him Mm -hmm. to share that. And then, you know, like going with, going to your question with, you know, the difference, you know, and I never raced TT before, so I don't know what it's like. Okay. And it's definitely a different era and the machinery that those guys were on are like not nearly as advanced as what we have. Our speeds that we're carrying is, is definitely a lot higher, but it's not saying that those guys couldn't jump on a machine that we have in their prime and rip these things. So it's just, uh, you know, it's not comparing apples to apples and, you know, honestly, let's just embrace, uh, you know, what, like, what Gary's done, what I've been able to do, like, let's just take it as like all good things and not try to point one out. Just everybody is, you know, the baddest dudes in their era. You right. Know? Right. And, and I think that that's a great way to put it. Cause as soon as you start to even like go there, cause the debate part, uh, like, I love Gary. He was awesome on the show. He's the coolest cat. Um, it's not trying to like say one's better than the other. That's not it at all to me. It's just the fact that people, uh, don't necessarily want to like 
have the conversation. That's the part where I, you know, it's almost like you take offense to it because, because Chad, like you're Timmy Farr, like you're that to me, you know, like you're, you're, uh, you know, that era guy to me. And, and I think that the other argument, um, you know, that I would propose, and that's the last we'll touch on this, but you know, Gary, he was in a league of his own when the, you know, ATV motocross or ATV racing, I should say was in its infancy. Uh, the argument I would tell people, you know, for the entirety of your eight title run here, you've had to battle another ultra competitor like Joel Hetrick and, you know, he's a two-time champ, right? Uh, but if he's finished second in the championship to you six times. So without Chad Weenan, if there was no Chad Weenan or no Chad Weenan and ATV motocross racing, Joel Hetrick could very possibly be an eight time champ himself. Uh, so, you know, you had to go through and defeat that guy to get to your eight titles. And, and, um, you know, not that Gary's eight and your eight need to be compared or, or, uh, debated. Like that's not where I'm going. I just think that, uh, so there's something to be said that you had to, you know, go through Joel Hetrick. You had to race him week in and week out, uh, championship and championship out here. And Joel Hetrick will go down as one of the fastest guys to ever do it. And you had to outdo him eight times. Like that would be my argument. And again, I'm not trying to debate it. Like that's not the case. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that that's a feather in your cap as you had another top tier upper echelon, one of the greatest ever guys you had to outduel and you've done it, you know, um, six times, you know, that that's, that's the argument on your behalf. I know you won't say that, but I will. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, I came through the era of, you know, like the WPSA and stuff like that. And like, man, like the racing back then was so, so gnarly. You didn't know what was going to happen. And it was very, very cool to be able to go and win with those guys on those gates. I didn't win championships, but you know, I wasn't, I wasn't ready yet. You know, I just had to keep, keep playing my due, paying my dues and uh, learn how to manage a championship and not just win a race. Mm -hmm. And that's something that it took, you know, it took me that many years, six, six years to figure out. Mm -hmm. And once I figured it out in the, the formula that man, it's just like, I can manage a championship so well and like when it comes down to like if i gotta turn it up a notch then i can put myself on that edge but i don't like to ride there a whole lot so like for me to uh just manage championships like i feel like i've been able to figure that out you know in six hard years of getting my butt kicked so right i think when you when you talk about the wpsa era there uh, i think the class is a lot like that now it's just you have joel you and joel out front yeah. you know and kind of a league of your own and you don't have necessarily those older like legendary names but the quality of the class there like if you took you two out and there was a six rider battle for wins every weekend it would be just like it was back then yeah definitely like you know kind of the way i look at it is like the Ricky Carmichael, Chad Reed era. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, where like you took, if you eliminated those two guys, like it would be insane. Mm -hmm. And just yeah. like it is, you know, for that third place spot. And, you know, it's just, um, Joel and I are on a level that, you know, we're, we're just been able to, uh, you know, prolong and keep and progress at times. And it's, it's very good that we're starting to get uh, some riders, you know, uh, get up there and dice it up with us. You know, I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I, I know that we really need, 
you know, like four or five guys to really contend for that top spot to really draw people into our sport even more. But man, like, um, it's not easy and it's really not. And the work that goes into it is, is off the charts, mm-hmm. but, uh, these guys, uh, these young, young, young group of riders are, they're, they're coming. So mm-hmm. we gotta be ready. Yeah. I love the comparison to the, you know, the Chad Reed, Ricky Carmichael era, you know, you're speaking my language now, San Diego, Oh five, Chad Reed and, and, Ricky Carmichael lapped the field and the field was stacked back then. And they just were that much better. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a great comparison. Uh, Let's talk about this season a little bit. Um, You, you win the opener, you follow that with a trio of runner up finishes, absolutely dominate your home race at sunset Ridge, but where you seem to really, um, you know, put this thing away was your four consecutive moto wins that followed that with, uh, with what some people might call a somewhat surprising one, one, uh, weekend at Unadilla. We had Danica on after that, and then you dominated red, in typical fashion to, to follow that up. But that seemed like the period, uh, that seemed like the, the key stretch in this latest championship run for you was that three moto stretch when it was starting to get tight and you kind of took control again there. Yeah. I mean, like heading to New York, I knew that it was going to be a tough weekend and like, there's something about my setup there that I was able to find that, um, we, I, I had traction that I'd never had before at that track and the confidence that I had right when I got on the track was like through the roof. And I knew that I had something special that weekend, you know, obviously having uh, like going in there, getting a top qualifier position, like that's, that doesn't happen very much for me. I, I don't necessarily like hang it out much on the qualifiers anymore. I just kind of ride, try to put in a clean lap and like, I was able to really put on a, a good charge there. And then the first moto we had the rain come and anything can happen there. And I got, I put myself in a good position to start. Mm-hmm. and got in the lead within a couple turns and man it like it's weird like it feels easy at those times you know where like other times I feel like I'm riding the wheels off my machine I can't I can't chop wood you know like I did that day mm-hmm. and man just everything clicked and second moto getting a whole shot and you know I, I was like man it's gonna be a battle like Joel's gonna be pushing on my door the whole time and I just slowly kept, I slowly kept getting away from him. And, uh, you know, by the end of the moto, I had a, a really nice gap and I was like, man, like if I can go to red bud and put in another stellar performance, I can, I can pick my motives from there and just mm-hmm. relax. And man, like leaving Unadilla with uh, a strong points gap where, you know, Joel made a huge mistake that first moto and gave me like a, a nice cushion of points. But man, like I I call it like being in a right the right position at the right time where I was out front. He's trying to chase me down because he wants the points and he's pushed he pushed a little bit beyond his limits and got loose. So it's just one of those things where you, you put on the pressure and things happen, man. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you put yourself in in, an incredible position there, Uh, obviously starting at Unadilla, then with Redbud too. Um, And then, you know, following that, like you split motos at Loretta's, which was probably fine by you, given the circumstance, like you said, you could kind of pick your spots. And then this past weekend at Briarcliff, man, like you, you take the top spot in qualifying, you grab two clutch hole shots, which were huge, put yourself in great position, kind of out of harm's way. Uh, You, you lead the first half of each moto before Joel gets by, like, tell me about your day there. There was no doubt you had the speed. Did you find yourself uh, like torn between, you know, playing it safe and going for it there when the title was obviously the main focus? Yeah. I mean, like going into the weekend, like I really wanted to try and get that first moto and to seal it up and to give myself that last moto, no pressure. You know, that was my ultimate goal, but there, there it comes to the price of, you know, riding on the edge because Joel is, he has, all to gain like nothing to lose so he is going to ride the wheels off his machine and like getting that that clutch hole shot like man like there's something about that dirt and that start like everything gelled with me that weekend and we just nailed our starts had great reaction it's like one of those things where I'm rolling up to the gate and I'm not thinking about it a whole lot like I am just reacting and I've spent so much more time at the gate you know doing our gate prep and all that going through my routine and like I am so focused on the start and I don't get half of the you know I don't get a start like that very mm-hmm. often and I, just something uh, really clicked that weekend with that and we're off to the races Joel was behind me and he's giving me some really strong pressure. I'm not really able to open up my lines the, the way that I want to. And, um, a couple of times I did, and he really threw some wheels in on me and made it, uh, difficult to, uh, to ride the race that I wanted to. And, um, honestly, like once we got to a point where, you know, I felt like I was at a risk, I just, uh, technically I didn't like give it up, but I didn't like try to like fight him back for it. Like, sure. you know, especially that first moto, like I needed to get that good score to set myself up and then, uh, you know, riding our, our way to uh, a second place, that first moto going into the last moto, I um, obviously I had to still finish and do all that, but man, like getting that, that second moto whole shot. And I, I was very bound and determined to win that moto and because, you know, it's, it's so much sweeter to win the championship and also leave the track winning, but it's, uh, it's one of those things like you're, you gotta weigh your, you gotta weigh the the pros and cons of it. And I'm very good at that doing it on the fly. Mm -hmm. And like, if I was out there and I had a couple second gap on Joel, I would have, I would have given it, I would have given it to it. You know, I would have kept, kept going for it, but Mm -hmm. you know, Joel was, um, showing a lot of wheels getting getting bumpy with me and I um obviously I wasn't gonna try and push his um temper mm-hmm. too far where we, right we had a big problem but um man like once he passed me like uh Michael on the pit board he's like just settle in and I was like I didn't want to I wanted <laughs> to continue to fight and try and push him into either making a mistake or like you know, me, uh, pushing myself back up to him, but you know, I, I wanted to make sure that I rode that last moto to the, like the fullest of my potential. Mm-hmm. And at which, you know, I feel like I did. And 
it made me like very proud when I crossed the finish line that, you know, I was right there for a win. And also like, man, I just uh, sealed up my eighth championship and it's, it's just, um, it's a surreal moment and it, it takes a while for it to settle in, but man, like it's, mm -hmm. it's settling in now. Yeah. Home. Yeah. So I, that's one of the things I was going to ask you is, is as the laps are winding down there and you're getting closer and closer to number eight, uh, like, you know, when are you starting to think about this thing or does it just hit you when you cross the finish line? Cause I was going to have you, you know, take me through that and then describe that emotion to me, but you said it's, it's basically euphoric. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, obviously you, you don't want your mind to wander too much because I was still focused on trying to win the, the, the event, but man, like, you know, once I, you know, we were heading on the last lap and I'm like, I wanted to like enjoy it enjoy that last lap but I was still digging you know I was still trying to uh to to chop the gap down and uh get up to Joel but man like you know Joel he's he's bound and determined and you know I think he's a little bit frustrated of you know obviously not winning the championship but man like he rode a great year like I honestly felt like he was gonna have more growing pains throughout the year than what they had like they had you know zero deep I mean they had the first race DNF but it wasn't due to like a mechanical or anything like that like I was looking at like them having more problems like that but man like they had a strong year and they were there every single weekend and you know I just managed my bad days to not be so bad where you know, Joel had some bad days that he wasn't able to quite recover from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's a, that's a testament to the, the YFZ450R. I think it's a, I think it obviously is. Um, yeah. Chad, I want to respect your time, obviously. So we'll finish <laughs> up with a, with a couple final questions here. Uh, you kind of touched on this earlier, talking about the strength of the class and the riders coming up right now, eight riders finished uh, including you eight riders finished on the pro class podium this season. I couldn't tell you when that last happened. Uh, what can you say about, I guess, ATV racing as a whole, the class as a whole, and then some of those young riders coming up in the class right now, I think that, you know, that class is just as, just as stacked or more stacked, um, than we've seen, you know, in, in a lot of years now and, uh, everybody, including you and Joel has continued to elevate your game. Yeah. I mean, I believe, I don't think it's been, hasn't been a lot like it's been a very long time since there's been that many riders that have uh, reached the podium mm -hmm. and you know obviously I, I feel like next year there could be more and just the hunger of all these riders and they're all learning and uh learning at a, at a rapid pace and you know I feel like um next year a lot of these riders like riding the YFC for the R for their first year and like they're going to learn a lot over the off season and make improvements to their self and their machine. And like, uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, battling and have, like, I get excited, you know, when I'm seeing these new guys in the podium because you see that the life that they bring to the podium, because it's like one of their first times and it's still like, it, it's so refreshing to see because, you know, myself I expect myself to be there so like it's I'm not saying it's not as fun but it's business you know and it's um it's it's very refreshing to see those excitement when those guys 
get to the podium. Yeah. You've said that to us. I think you said it to us. One of the last times we talked to you, I mean, you've done this 60 times you've won, you've won, uh, 60 times you've been on the pro class podium, 120 something times or whatever the number is. So, uh, so yeah, like when you see how stoked those guys are to be up there for the first time, I'm sure, sure. It is really special. It kind of takes you back. I'm sure. And you see how much it means to these guys. Um, it becomes very business-like for you guys when you're doing it all the time. So speaking of, of that young talent, how about Max Lindquist? Uh, I hate that his season ended the way that it did, obviously, but back-to-back podiums coming into the finale have to imagine he even surprised you a little bit. Yeah, he really did. And, you know, I'm very proud of him on the season that he had, you know, even going through, you know, having an injury and that last get off of the last round, like he's still holding his head high, you know, that he's like, he's very proud of what he's been able to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like he's, he's going to continue to progress and learn and, you know, like for him to come out and do that, get two podiums his rookie year. Like I felt like one was going to be like ultra difficult for him, just knowing that he didn't have the experience and, his starting ability wasn't very good. So like he, he, he rode, you know, like he rode a couple of these races like a veteran and got the good starts and had the clean air. And, you know, just the way that he has been able to pick up on stuff throughout the year at 17 years old, like, I know, watch out, man. Like, <laughs> I, I know, I know it's crazy. Uh, I, the, the young man, his, his, his mom actually reached out to me tonight and I told her, I'm like, you just have to be so proud of the, of the man, the young man that he is like throw the riding part out of it. I mean, he's an incredible rider, the level that he's at, the stuff he's learned, the way he's looked like a veteran, like you said, at some of these races is, is incredible. The quality of young man that he is trumps all of that. Like he is, he is the most stand up 17 year old kid. I think I've ever met like every single parent at the racetrack should want their kid to turn out like Max Linquist. Cause he's, he's, I, again, like you talk to him and you're, you'd think, you know, I'm talking to somebody my age, you know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, I enjoy, you know, spending the time with him and the training days and, you know, like, it's just so funny when he comes to my place and, I feel like he learns so much whenever he comes. And like, for instance, you know, like the other day he's here riding and he's like, man, like, why are you taking this beat line? That's like way over there. And like, I'm able to carve the turn, like on a big radius and carry my speed. And he's like, man, like, why are you going through that rough stuff? I'm like, honestly, Max, like I'm here to get better. And if I'm not, if I'm riding the smooth stuff and I'm not, not challenging myself, I'm not getting better. He's like, you know what? I've never thought of that, man. Like I've always thought to take the smooth line and the fastest line everywhere. Like, you know, like he's, he's like a sponge right now. Like it's, it's very cool to see, you know, him learning so much and I'm, I'm able to pass on some knowledge to him to hopefully make his uh, career last a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. You've mentioned a few times in recent weeks, like on the podium and stuff that, that Max, uh, may very well have a future, you know, kind of be part of the future of Wien and motorsports. Do you care to elaborate on that at all? Ah, uh, man, like, honestly, like I, w- I would like for him to carry the torch, but I'm trying to like set him up as like a same program that I have, like where he can like create his own brand and create, you know, his, his own revenue and his, his race team. So but take, I, take... I feel like we're always, 
take your template is what you're saying. Like take yeah, your template yeah, take and roll template. with it. Yep. Because I know, I know like if he does things right and he, he runs a similar path that he's going to have a successful, you know, career. Mm-hmm. So like, obviously like for me, like when I step out of sport, I'm going to need somebody to carry the torch of Wiener Motorsports yep. and try to, you know, try to be on his coattail for that. And because, you know, I've been able to build like a really good, good, strong foundation, but you know, like when I'm done racing, like you got to have somebody, you got to have the face of it. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're making, so you're making a little Chad Wiener and it makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you were able to lock down another pro stock title, is right? Uh, am I right? Like you, you yes. locked that down as well. Yep, yep. Like going into the last round, like, uh, like if Joel won, I had to at least get third or better, and okay. I ended up finishing in front of him. But like, yeah, like uh, a great year, man. Like being able to do that and mm-hmm. have a lot of success there, and like you know, going to that last round in the pro stock and Michael Allred, you know, like, (laughs) holy smokes. Like, like I told him, like, dude, you rode so awesome in the mud. Like, like how, like he got a great start, but like, he wasn't holding me up. Like he was Mm -hmm. racing forward and, you know, that's, that was very cool to see. And I was very happy for him because, you know, that's like winning the Super Bowl for him. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah, that's it a is. big, big deal. And I, hopefully it propels him into the off season and gives him a little extra drive mm-hmm. because like, man, like uh, I had to deal with him the first moto, like I had to pass him and like I had smalls on, on that first moto. And obviously it wasn't the, the choice to go with, but mm-hmm. um, I had to pass him and like, dude, this guy was on me the whole race. And I'm like, <laughs> oh mike's got some pace today so (laughs) and for him to rip that whole shot like and like how flip-flop it got with janusa finishing fourth you know compared to like a win the first moto like it all just played out so well you know yeah yeah awesome for him uh looked like uh Looked like some incredible racing there. We know the odds were obviously stacked against you following that situation at the beginning of the season. Uh, do you care to touch on that at all? I mean, don't feel obligated by any means, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to speak on it if you chose to. Like, honestly, it just came down to just um, they considered it being a drop race. So, okay. And they're, they're like, there wasn't any intent for mm-hmm. it. And, you know, I was, I was in agreement with that. I was okay with that. But man, like, um, just uh, the gray areas of, of the, the the rules and mm-hmm. I was I wasn't trying to push them but um I was part one like one of the four guys that created the rules of the yeah. of the rule book so yeah um but I mean honestly uh it all worked out and I'm glad that it didn't affect the championship and we got to race it out you know mm-hmm. yeah. I dropped my first round and we just raced it out from there yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I'm glad that they kind of righted that wrong because I thought that, I thought that doing that to to you at the first race, uh, I don't, I just don't think that that was right. So I'm glad that uh, they did what they did there. It just seems like they kind of righted the wrong there. So I'm glad that uh, glad that that all worked out. At least that gave you the ability to drop it because yeah, like anybody who knows you, Chad, uh, I was getting I was getting comment after comment, message after message about uh, like 
did, did somebody honestly think that he was, you know, uh, you know, doing something that wasn't to the letter of the law to the rule. So uh, again, uh, we can leave it at that, but I'm glad that they kind of righted that wrong there. Uh, all he does is win people. Chad Weenan uh, will be back aiming for a record-breaking ninth title in 2021, of course, right? Like that's the plan. Yeah. Um, obviously we got to figure out negotiations and all that with the, every, everybody that backs me, but mm-hmm. I feel like everybody wants it just as bad as I do to keep, keep this, uh, keep this ride going and the dream going. And, um, you know, I'm still able to balance like my family time and the business and racing and all that. So my plan is to keep, keep it rolling. I uh, love to hear it. Chad, what motivates you at this point? Are you like the, the MJ you already referenced him earlier here. Are you the MJ Brady type that finds motivation and everything? Cause that's kind of, and I know that you're always pushing to just be the best version of yourself, but I feel like you're also one of those guys that just saves little, little tidbits for motivation at the same time. Kind of like that, that MJ type. Yeah. I mean, like I actually, like, I feel more, I feel myself more off of, you know, people that doubt and give me like you know not necessarily negative but they they're they're saying you know like not necessarily saying like anything bad but they just like somebody saying that you know joel is is going to be the 2022 champion or something like that like that stuff fuels me because i know how hard i work and obviously joel works you know so hard as well but like it just comes down to having the total package and that those are things that fuel me. And like, there's always little things that you got to throw away into the, the fuel tank. And that, yep. uh, that gives you actually a little bit because, you know, like I come back home and like my first intention is to hit the ground running, get back to work. Like even after the ACE championship, like I'm like, Chad, chill out. Don't do anything. Like, I'm, <laughs> Like it's, it's very difficult because like I'm in such a routine that I'm always trying to uh, look for the next thing. Mm -hmm. And my next, my next goal is, uh, you know, 2022 and I'm looking forward to um, some downtime right now, but we're going to be getting back to work soon and doing some testing. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're programmed a certain way, Chad, you know, on the preseason show, I'm the one guy that picked you for the title. So, you know, (laughs) just, just, I'm not, I'm not part of that motivation. No, no. Uh, it's, it's all good there. And, you know, man, like uh, when you have seasons that just fall into place and you start riding well at the right time, it's, it's, uh, it's just meant to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What a season. Uh, very similar to the last one. It's just like you keep upping your pace and it's crazy that you're able to do that. Hey, Chad, uh, one last thing I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask this all season long. Um, you lost your neck brace. Tell me why. <laughs> Um, it's been a couple of years, okay. but like, like a couple of times that like I would go riding and I would forget it and I would go ride and I'm like, man, like, I don't like, I feel good. Like I don't have like a bunch of range of motion with my neck, mm-hmm. you know, like just because of my accident, but like, sure. If you know, obviously it feels free, you know, and it, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that like I'm better off without it, but like. I just have that freedom, you know, and I, I, yeah. I think that feels really good to me, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer of, you know, having the protection, like, and I'm wearing like a under chest bro and stuff like that. So like, 
I want to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm still protected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was more curious because I'm a guy that questions it from time to time. Like you've seen, I mean, damn near everybody get rid of them. Uh, so I've just been one of them guys that it's been in the back of my mind too. So I've wanted to ask you that for a long time, Chad, you're the best dude. Congrats on an absolutely incredible season, your eighth title. Thanks so much for spending a little of your time with us. Uh, you're, you're always such a gracious guest. Uh, we can't thank you enough, buddy. What are you going to do to celebrate this thing? Anything special? Well, um, honestly, we're having like a little get a little gathering of like my, my group of friends that are back home and all my supporters, uh, we're trying to put together like a little celebration next weekend, uh, here close to home and, you know, just enjoy it with everybody that gives me so much and travels to these events. And even if they don't travel, they're always throwing me shout outs and stuff like that. And you know, it just goes, goes to say like all these people that support me, you know, that listen to your show, that go to the races that are at home. Like, it's so cool that, you know, you have like a following and even if you don't necessarily like me and you still follow ATV racing, that's awesome. And uh, we got to keep growing the sport and have something for these young riders that are coming up to, to actually create a, a lifestyle kind of like I've been able to live. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing because I, I really love what I get to do. And, you know, obviously Cody, you know, thank you for, you know, all that you do for our sport. And it, uh, it's, it's a, it, it's a fresh, it's a fresh thing. It's, it's great to have and, you know, keep up the hard work and obviously the people that are in your corner that help you push you along as well. Yeah, I appreciate that, Chad. Uh, it meant the world to me. You know, you're you thanked so many people, even post by post here. You're thanking, you know, kind of one person after another after another. And the fact that in one of the comments you thanked us and thanks, you know, the other media sources and the people that helped kind of try to grow this thing, uh, that meant the world to me. Um, you know, you're such a great ambassador. And even even thanking people that, like you said, may not necessarily always cheer for you. Like I think that that's awesome. You're such a great ambassador for the sport. Uh, I, I told Danica uh, when she was on i said you know the sport is better because of you you're leaving the sport in a better place than it was when you came in and uh that's a that's a huge feather in your cap so we can't thank you enough um you're always again such a gracious guest we appreciate your time so much and uh you know this is number eight we appreciate more of these things in the future having more conversations like this all right man yeah great pride in what i get to do and uh i appreciate it Enjoy it, pal. That's Chad Weenan brought to you by SSI decals, making your, your identity stick with championship level graphics. Check them out at SSIDecals.com today. Thanks, A-Time. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Cody. See you, man. We'll get right back to the show, but now a word from our sponsors. And thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. Welcome to the team, two-time champ Joel Hetrick, who dropped the biggest news of the offseason when he announced his move to CST Tires. The CST takeover has been gaining momentum over the past several seasons, and now Joel Hetrick and his Phoenix Racing teammate Jeffrey Rastrelli are the most recent additions. The Pulse MXR tire has helped lead riders like Thomas Brown to race wins in three consecutive Quad Cross of Nations titles, Nick Janusa to the pro-class podium, myself Cody Jansen as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft compound rears to back-to-back national championships in the Junior 25 Plus class, and the most recent additions have us thinking a pro-class national 
national championship is on the horizon for CST tires. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit shop.csttires.com to join the CST takeover today, or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Joel Hatrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, myself, and so many others are believers in CST Tires. Are you? CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. You already know we're Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. Whether it's second all-time winningest, seven-time and reigning ATV MX Pro Class National Champion Chad Weenan, or six-time and current XC1 Pro ATV GNCC National Champion Walker Fowler, it's clear the podium-proven Yamaha YFC 450R is the winning choice of sport ATVs. This unprecedented success for the YFC 450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the undeniable fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has created a Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Better yet, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program is back and even stronger for 2021, meaning Yamaha riders are about to cash in on higher payouts and more prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors, and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports, and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads, and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at Valvoline.com. SSI Decals is a name synonymous with ATV racing, synonymous with big time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Weenan, the company quickly took off, and today you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, short course off-road trucks, UTVs, snowcross, and oh yeah, six-time NHRA world champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is brought to you in part by DID in their range of championship winning chains. Powered by technology, DID chains are designed to give you the greatest strength to weight ratio, making them the optimal chain for racing and giving you a championship level edge. 
DID has been driving championship winning race programs since 1933, chosen by champions such as Chad Wienan, Joel Hetrick, and myself, Cody Jansen. Champion above the rest is DID's 520 ATV2 chain, with those same design principles and materials being used throughout their entire line of products, including their on-road category as well. Pick up a DID chain today at your local dealer or reputable online e-tailer. DID, what drives you? We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side -side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, that allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, pistons with an attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits, Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world. Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. 4Works Carbon's innovative, lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, 4Works has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust 4Works for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. 4Works Carbon, always working hard to bring high-quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com. We're back here on our Briarcliff review and season wrap up episode with Casey Greek and Jeremy Osborne guys, eight freaking titles for Chad Weenan. a decade ago, Chad had zero titles to his name. And the closest anyone was to Gary Denton's record was Jeremiah Jones and Tim Farr with four. Uh, the record looked uncatchable, but now, um, it's been caught. It's, it's, it's truly amazing. Jeremy, uh, what do you have to say about Chad and what he's been able to accomplish? I, I still can't really wrap my head around it. I can't believe that we saw that happen. Well, it, it's extremely interesting to me because I raced, um, some back at, towards the end of Gary Denton's career. Okay. And I was around to see, you know, the Tim Fars and Shane hits and Jeremiah coming in as kind of the new guard. And, it, and I, I was of the same opinion for a long time. Like, nobody's ever going to touch that record. It, that's just one that is forever locked in time. But it, it's so impressive that, that man, you just you got to give that guy all the credit in the world. He, he's made it happen. And if anybody knows racing, most of what is accomplished is you making it happen. So – uh, hats off to Chad. He's, he's an amazing champion. It It is incredible too. I mean, uh, just like I said, I mean, a decade ago, he has zero titles. The next closest guy to Gary is four, uh, fast forward 10 years. And we got another guy with eight. It's amazing. Um, Casey, we, you know, we already asked you a couple weeks back what it would mean to you if, and when, uh, he did it. So we don't need to mull through that again. Uh, you also predicted though, on our season preview show that he'd tied Denton's record, albeit you said it wouldn't be this season, but that's besides the point. Um, but in all, but in all seriousness, Casey, uh, what is 
is left to say about this guy. He's the goat. Um, I just, it, it's truly amazing. Again, I just, I can't believe we freaking saw somebody win eight titles and match the record. I can't believe it. Yeah. And I think, you know, calling Chad a goat or the goat is um, it's tough. It's going to get you in trouble. It is. You know yeah. how that's going to go. So uh-huh. I'm going to say he's tied with the goat. If he wins nine championships, then, um, then he can solely hold that. Um, but I mean, it's not taking anything away from Chad. Like mm-hmm. obviously, you know, eight titles is remarkable. Seven titles are remarkable. Any title you can win in that class at any day in the era of ATV motocross racing is impressive. So, you know, we talked about it and, you know, you're going to have guys that are like, Oh, well, it was different back then. And there's guys now that are different now, you know, we're now. So our opinion is, you know, Chad's the greatest of all time, not taking anything Gary whatsoever, but, you know, in my opinion, those two are tied as the greatest of all time in ATV motocross racing. And until either Gary comes out of retirement and gets nine <laughs> or Chad wins a ninth, um, those two are going to remain, you know, tied. And I would love to see, and you probably know it off the top of your head, but I'd love to see, you know, race wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't and know. then broke down yeah. almost into like moto wins and stuff and kind of see, who's been more consistent or, you know, how it's kind of went, but, you know, I, I don't think Chad's even in a position where he wants to be called better than Gary Denton. Like, no. And that's, you not, know, by any means. Yeah. I know what you mean. I just right. want to make sure everyone else knows what you mean. <laughs> exactly. No, you're exactly right. That's not it. It's not, you know, versing one or the other. There's just people that, and, and we kind of went over this with Chad, but there's people that say that, like there's no discussion to be had. And I don't agree with that. Like, uh, Gary is the coolest cat. Uh, you know, when we had him on the show, he's awesome. Um, especially with that dirt bike background, you know, he knows everybody, whether it's two wheel, four wheel, like it doesn't matter. He knows everybody. He's the coolest guy. Uh, ATV racing was in its infancy when Gary Denton started. So he was just the guy kind of from the start. Now here's a nugget for you that we haven't really pointed out until now. And again, the listeners heard us go over this with Chad Weenan, but Joel Hattrick. So Chad has eight titles. Joel has two. If you take Chad out of the equation, say there is no such thing as Chad Weenan, or he never starts racing ATVs. So Joel has finished second to Chad six times. Joel without Chad Weenan would very likely have eight titles himself with his six times. He finished second in the two championships that he beat Chad and won. Chad had to go through that guy. I, I just, I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't at this position when Gary was, uh, you know, in his heyday, obviously. Um, but Gary, what it, it just, the way it's the way the stories are told, he was in a league of his own. Well, with Chad and Joel, they're like one a and one B and Chad for six of those titles has had to beat Joel Hetrick. And I think, and again, I'm not trying to compare the two or whatever. I'm not trying to say one's the goat and one's not, but that is an argument in Chad's favor that he had to go through and beat Joel for six of those titles. And if it wasn't for Chad Weenan, Joel Hetrick would be an eight time champion himself. Yeah, definitely. And you know, even Joel, I mean, you know, years before that, he raced against, you know, or not against or whatever it was, but, you know, he lost championships to John Natale, you know, and Chad was the same way. Chad had to go through, you know, Wimmer and Creamer and all those ones, too. I mean, so, yeah, exactly what you're saying. I mean, Joel, 
you know, we, we've all talked about his consistency and in these different things, but his consistency has been great. Mm-hmm. Realistically, he finished, he, has. you know, he's yeah. been second in every championship he hasn't won in right. the last eight, nine years. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's still, Chad has to beat one of the fastest guys in the world on an APB. And, and uh, the one last thing I'll say about this, and then we'll move on, but Joel will go down as one of the straight up fastest ever. Like he'll be remembered someday uh, as, um, as like Jeremiah Jones, right? Like Jeremiah goes down as one of the fastest guys ever. And Joel is going to be thought of the same way. Jeremy, I'll let you weigh in one last time. Yeah. I, you know, I look at this whole thing and I think, the, the whole TT thing, and I, I've raced a couple TT races, mm-hmm. it, it just changes everything. You're, you're comparing apples and oranges. Right. Yep. Um, I mean, you look at Doug Gus. We, if there was no TT racing, he might, <laughs> we might be talking about Doug Gus as the Gary Denton. And you're I right. Mean, Cause he, he told us, Jeremy, he told us, he said, man, I hated yeah. TT racing. <laughs> right. I mean, he, we, so in my mind, you have a goat of the GNC, which is TT and motocross era. And that's Gary yep. Denton, hands yep. down. Yep. And then you got a goat of just motocross only. And mm-hmm. so far that looks to be Chad Weenan. Yeah. So, and I'm glad that you touched on that because that's most people's argument, right? The, that's the, the end all um, that Gary Denton is the goat is that he needed to do TT in, in motocross. And I always hope um, I came from TT racing that's what I grew up doing. So like, I get that. And I wonder if some people think I'm naive to the fact that TT is gnarly in itself. Uh, I did that for years and years and years. And I totally get that. I'm just saying that that's a factor that is an argument for Gary Denton, obviously. And then all the the guys um, that Chad had to race, the fact that he was pro six or seven years before he won his first title, uh, most guys never even hang around that long uh, to you know take that step that late into, into his career. So that's why Chad Weenan is a unicorn. And um, and then the fact that Chad week in and week out, championship and championship out, year in and year out, had to race and overcome Joel Hattrick. Uh, that would be like having two Gary Dentons have to race against each other. And I just think that that that's an argument for chat. Oh, for sure. He, he's definitely had some stiff competition. Um, I think Gary, def, I mean, he had Doug Gust and there were, there were a few others. I mean, Doug was definitely the, the, the tougher of the, the group that he had to face every year. I'm not sure how many t- times uh, Doug took second to Gary. Mm-hmm. it seemed like quite a few, but my right. memory doesn't go back that far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Unbelievable stuff by Chad Weenan. Absolutely re- remarkable, really. So Joel Hetrick, uh, he finishes the season with another overall win, the sixth of his year here. He was fast qualifier eight times. He grabbed a ridiculous 19 hole shots. Casey, uh, we know how competitive Joel is. We know he wants to win, but with switching to a new machine, moving his family cross country mid season, which uh, we've covered here on the show already there are surely some positives to be taken away from 2022 for Joel Hattrick and the Phoenix team yeah for sure and I think right now it probably hurts more than anything you know not winning the championship but at the same time if you really sit back and look at how the season went how the season started how the season could have started like so many different things but just the sheer raw speed that Joel had you know week in and week out against you know, Chad Weenan, I mean, it's impressive. And Joel should hang his hat at the end of the season very high. And I know how he is. And I know how the entire team is. They're not happy unless they're winning. 
and Joel's not happy right now. You know, that entire team's not happy right now. You know, me and Jay as, you know, being part of, you know, their program, we're not happy about second place by any means, but switching machines is a big deal. Mm -hmm. The machine was the right switch. Everything's good there. The bike is good. They're happy with it, but it's going to take a little bit of adjusting of time and that's perfectly fine. You know, got now a whole off season to test and develop some more stuff and be a hundred percent and ready to go for next year. Exactly. At times we saw the next level, the additional, the sixth gear, uh, that the Yamaha gave Joel. Um, so we all know that he's going to come out swinging in 2022. I mean, he's going to be just as much a favorite to win this title as Chad is. Yeah. And you know, just as he was this year, just as Chad was this year, right. You know, and I think he's made some strategic moves in his personal life to put him in a position that he's closer to the shop. He gets to be more involved with the guys. It's easier to go testing. It's easier on his family. It's all these things that I've talked about on, you know, some of these things that, you know, Chad has it so good. It's because Chad's made the, those decisions. Chad's made the sacrifices or spent the money to have a house in Florida where his family's comfortable. So where he can go ride and test and do the things he needs to do. And then to have his own house and everything in Illinois where he can ride and test right outside of his backyard. So Joel's making those decisions. He's, he's getting it together in that sense to where, you know, his family can be comfortable and let's face it. I mean, it's just like, I had to run right now and get the family comfortable real quick. So I can come back in here and finish, you know, doing what I need to do here. Mm -hmm. That's what it's all about, you know, and that's where Joel's going to be. So his head game is going to be hundred percent and he's going to, he's going to be a fierce, a fierce competitor next year for Chad. Yeah, no doubt in my mind. I think uh, you can basically lay it out like the sacrifices he made this year are hopefully going to pay dividends for him and his team next year um, in the stuff he's situated in his personal life, like you said. Uh, so moving on from that, great ride for Joel Hattrick. Uh, great way to finish the season there. Another great ride for Jeffrey Rastrelli in Moto2. He ran third for the uh, essentially the entirety of this thing. Um, did you see any of that second moto, Jeremy? Yeah, I actually caught a little more of that moto. Um, I think, uh, maybe, I don't know. I just got to a, a place where nobody could find me and I was able to watch some, <laughs> but, uh, he, Jeffrey looked really good. Um, dude, I, I tell you what, he, he looked probably better in that second moto than, and we've seen a couple rides this year where he's, he's turned it on, mm -hmm. you know, he is, he's had some podiums, but, uh, I, I thought he looked super comfortable is in there the a second is there a sense of pride, Jeremy, uh, being that you're an ATV guy, uh, seeing the, you know, the gnarliest, fastest ATV motocross racers in the world? Is there a pride that comes with that when you see them riding your track? Oh, for sure. Um, it, it, you know, I, I was a little more starstruck in 14. I'm that sure. Was the first time. Yep. Uh, yep. This time it, it was a little easier because I, you know, I've been to these races, other tracks, but, you know, I'm, you know, kind of develop some relationships with some of these guys and talk to them and mm -hmm. you know it, but it definitely it, it i got goosebumps right when the first moto dropped i'm not gonna lie it was it's pretty cool yeah, as, as you should. Uh, okay. So five, three moto finishes earned there for Jeffrey fourth on the day, fourth on the season. I know he wanted the top three, but Jeffrey Rostrelli, um, the Jeffrey Rostrelli we know and love was back in 2021. Uh, it was so great to see Jeffrey kind of 
get back to where we've seen him in years past, Casey. Um, what do you have to say about him? I mean, man, he, he came up a tick short on that, on that number three spot here at the end, but man, he made a valiant effort. And just overall, I, this season as a whole was a huge step in the right direction for Jeffrey Rostrelli. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think um, we're seeing a lot of the old Jeffrey Rostrelli. We're not seeing, you know, fitness being a heavy undertaking on him as we've seen in the be- before. And I say fitness, but I know there's some underlying issues to what the fit, you know, causing the fitness in yep. the past. Yep. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't remember he had a year where he had some really bad head injuries. You know, he was struck in with Epstein Barr virus just a lot of different things. So he's overcome a lot in those years that he, let's say he had a podium dry spell, mm-hmm. but I, I think Jeffrey rode really well this year. Um, there's races where, you know, qualifying wouldn't go well and he'd come out in the motos and, and turn it up and be right up there in the mix. Always. Um, yeah. Always. I think um, his veteranness, if that's even a word, <laughs> Paid off for him multiple times this year, even, you know, racing with people. And, you know, the word I always use is racecraft, like watching him race with some of the younger guys and outsmarting them mm-hmm. is always kind of cool to watch being that I've been involved with some of the older people or older racers in the pro class in the past. So, yep, yep. Um, you know, hats off to Jeffrey. I know he really would have liked to have that third spot, but, you know, it didn't happen. And there's always, you know, next year, that's why we go racing. We don't know exactly what's going to happen. Absolutely. And so many of us love Jeffrey. I mean, he's, how could you not? Like, he's just such a great dude. Uh, randomly yesterday, um, mid afternoon, I, I receive a text from Jeffrey saying, Hey, you know, thanks for all the nice stuff you say about me all year long and digging deep. And that's just, that's who Jeffrey is, right? Like that's just a, just a good old boy. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. And I spoke to him earlier today, actually, before, um, we got onto this show or on this call, actually. Um, and he was out working. So, you know, it's back to the grind for him right now. Try mm-hmm. to save up as much money as he can, you know, between now and the first of the year when he's got to start going hard at it again. So we can expect him back then in 2022. You know, I asked him that question. I knew it was a question that was on here. And, you know, my answer to it was I wouldn't see why not. Yep. His answer was kind of, you know, I don't have anything locked signed but I wouldn't see why not. So I think that's the kind of forward plan moving forward is to prepare for next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I expected. I mean, a year ago at this time, he was over it, dude. Uh, we, oh, both, yeah. we both we both know uh, he had been through the ringer. I think that he just didn't know. Man, I don't even think he knew where to turn. Um, and just so grateful that he got the opportunity to come back. Because think about if that's how he ended his career, you know. And now, oh. I mean, he has such an awesome season. Um, all indications are because he kept getting better. Like his fitness and, and the stuff he was figuring out, obviously the new machine and new tires and everything like that. Like he was getting better and better as the season went on. And I'm sure you know he very well might feel like he wishes there was a few more races because he was kind of hitting his stride. Um, I think. I think Jeffrey could even take another step in 2022 and I'd love to see it. Uh, so Nick Janusa standout day for him third in moto one shadow Jeffrey and finished fourth in moto two third overall in the day started and ended the season on the box, extended his streak of finishing the season top five in points, uh, which he's done every year of his professional career. Now uh, that's just such a huge thing. Um, I, that's why I say it all the time. I just can't, I can't really believe it. I mean, every single year top five, that's incredible. Uh, what a way to, to end a really solid season for, for Nick Janusa, Casey, I know you're part of his, um, you know, you're kind of part of his program a little bit now. Uh, awesome year for him. Great way to end it. Yeah. And you know, Nick's been a pleasure to work with. I kind of jumped on board with him 
you know, about midway almost at Walnut was the first race that I started doing some shock work for him right before we did. Never actually got to go and test with him. Like we had kind of planned maybe doing a test before Unadilla. We didn't even really need to. He was, you know, very happy right out of the box. You know, first setup I did for him, he liked it. And it's been it's been a pleasure to work with him. I mean, and his year, I mean, I know, you know, his number score, where he ended up, that's not exactly where he wanted to end up. But like you, you, you know, you've said, you know, time and time again, every year that he's raced the pro class, he's been in the top five in points. And I think that's something to be said. I mean, injuries happen so much in this sport and so many different things and mechanical failures, but he always keeps putting himself back in there. And I think for him to end up on the podium a few times this year is, um, is really good. You know, he wants to be on the podium every weekend. And I think that's something that he's going to strive for again for next year. Well, in, in last year, he found himself in a, you know, a 20 high 20 or 30 point hole with a few races left and stepped up to the plate and got it done this year too. I mean, he, he, uh, he had to make up some ground and then he had to, you know, kind of fend off a charge there at the end. And, um, just to, like I said, just to do it every single year. Yes. We know he wanted to be third, but last year the class was stacked. This year, I think you could argue, was as stacked as we've seen it in a long, long time. So for him to continue to be up there, be in that mix, grab some more podiums, uh, overall impressive year for him. So uh, he should hold his head high for sure. Fifth in Moto2, fifth overall on the day, but most importantly, third overall on the season when the dust settled. Bryce Ford got it done. Jeremy, Casey and I have talked about uh, how impressive Bryce has been all season long, mending you know collective maturity with that ridiculous speed that he has. What do you have to say, um, you know, when it comes to to Bryce Ford now part of ATV Motocross's big three? Well, I think that was the the goal for him was to be top three. You know, mm-hmm. with Thomas stepping away and yep. you know he's he's he he seems like a very goal orientated uh, racer. So it doesn't really surprise me. Um, I'm very impressed with how much he's calm. I don't know if you call it calming down or staying cool under pressure or whatever you want to call it. Uh, he doesn't seem to get as rattled this year when things are kind of going the wrong way and he's able to respond and, and get back up there. That's, that's probably the most impressive thing I, I can take away from watching Bryce Ford race this year. Absolutely. It, it, the speed, the speed has never been in question. Um, but you know, doing the, the stuff you need to do when you have to do it, you know, not always do you need to be the blistering fast guy. And I think that that's some of the stuff that, um, that Bryce has been able to figure out this season, which was awesome to see. So huge, huge, huge thing. I mean, everybody, we know that all those guys were shooting for that top three spot and Bryce got it done. So congrats to him. Uh, Casey, we spoke all off season about who would fill Thomas Brown's spot, that third spot on the podium. I don't know if anybody really did. I mean, Bryce ended the season with three podiums, Jeffrey, Janusa, Max, and Wesley each got two. Brandon, uh, Hogue grabbed one podium. So, you know, not necessarily, it's not like one guy just grabbed that, you know, third spot and was the guy all season long, but either way, Bryce bested that bunch, a bunch that was as stacked as we've probably ever seen. And 
you know, that's, that's impressive in itself, overcoming that pack of guys that were, you know, getting podiums, um, and, and kind of that muddle that was tier two and digging deep ATV MX fantasy. Um, that's super impressive that Bryce was the guy to get it done again. I don't know if, I don't know if somebody filled Thomas's spot, but Bryce was the guy that was, you know, on top of that heap when the dust settled. Yeah, and I think for Bryce, it, it come down to consistency, and and I pissed him off a couple of shows back. You know, I mean, <laughs> I I told him I bet on, you know, I bet on Max Lindquist for you know the future or whatever, and and he didn't let me live that down. I mean, even this weekend, he just kind of gave me that look, you know, and I kind of did the eye pointing thing. So that's perfectly fine for me. Um, if I'm if I'm the guy that is going to piss you off, I guess it's better me than someone else. Um, but no, I think Bryce had a couple of changes in his program this year. And, you know, looking at the results, you know, he only had one, let's say, bad finish, and it's a ninth. And I don't want to say that's a bad finish, but for someone like Bryce Ford, that's a bad finish. When you look at, you know, Joel, you know, obviously a 15th, and then his worst finish after that is fifth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can go down the list and, you know, for like Restrelli, you know, his worst finish of the year also is a ninth. So, these guys come down to such a tight battle in points and it just comes down to consistency. And, you know, Bryce fifth, 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 last three rounds, Jeffrey ninth, sixth, fourth, mm-hmm. you know, that's not going to do it. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, he's got that seventh of Daytona, you know, Jeffrey's nemesis. I feel like in the series has definitely been Daytona over the years. It's either he's on the podium or he's out of the top five almost. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of one of the situations that's hurt him, you know, Janusa, you know, he had a couple mechanicals. So, but to go back to what you were saying exactly is no, I don't feel like anyone has filled Thomas Brown's shoes. And I don't know that any one of these guys want to fill Thomas Brown's shoes. Right. They want to fill the position. And Bryce is the one that consistently put it together for an entire season and ended up third. So, hats off to Bryce. Congratulations. And you should be very proud of that because that's a huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. and continue to work on your goals and set your goals for first. And I think Bryce is one of those riders that can win races. And did I, do I, did I expect Bryce to win races this year? Absolutely not. Um, if he did, I wouldn't be shocked. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think he truly has a speed to do it. It's just when you're racing against these two guys, it's a little bit tough right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I hope, you know, Bryce, Jeffrey, Janusa, Hogue, Max, all those guys are using all this as ammo that everyone thinks Joel and Chad are untouchable. At the same time, they're both human too. You can you can get up there and do it. And every one of those guys has the talent and the speed to be able to race and win races. Absolutely. Um, I guess I just wanted to make sure we covered this enough because everybody was shooting for that open spot that Thomas left behind. And like you said, everybody wanted to be that guy and Bryce ended up being the guy to fill that third spot. So credit to him. And yeah, the last thing I'll say about that is, you know, maybe we expected some like last season, there was kind of, kind of some really high highs and then some lows there was, um, you know, ups and downs with Bryce Ford and that didn't happen this season. He was uber consistent and ended up being that third place guy. That was the key. Um, okay. So we, we mentioned briefly Brandon Hogue there. Um, what happened to him in moto two? He was running six for three quarters of the way through that moto. Then he dropped to ninth and that's where he ended up finishing. Does anybody know about that? Maybe you Casey. I text Brandon about it this morning when I was prepping for this. And I said, Hey, what happened to second moto? I didn't quite see exactly what had happened. He said, my knee pad wrapped around. And this is quote from Brandon Hope. 
my knee pad wrapped around my kill cord and pulled it out. And then I couldn't get it untangled from my knee pad. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> how does that um, happen? Jeez. Yeah, I don't really know. So I'm just going off of what I was told okay. um, and what happened there. Cause I, I didn't see, you know, we couldn't tell. It just looked like he had come to a stop mm-hmm. and, you know, Brandon just had some like weird goofy luck in, in all honesty. I mean, the switch to the Yamaha was a great decision for him. He's gelling, you know, with the bike, you know, off, off track training, obviously, you know, he's, he's killing it. You know, he's still mad at me because I said he was overtrained. <laughs> um, I'm not going to re I'm not going to retract my statement. I mean, I love Brandon to death and there's no one out there that has his back as much as I do. I mean, there's other people that do, but I mean, I stand right there with Brandon and when he yeah. fails, I fail, you know, and when he wins, I win. So it's not, I'm saying anything bad against him, but I'm not going to necessarily go back on what I said, but he, you know, he had texted me about that and he's like, it's not that I'm overtrained. He's like, I'm not getting a ride, you know, and practice as much. I'm having, having some bike issues and stuff. So um, I'd say later in this year, his practice program is kind of taking a turn for the South a little bit, okay. you know, and Brandon takes care of a lot of that. I know the Fords helped him out, you know, for the whole season, you know, hats off to them for stepping in and helping someone that's you know not one of their kids which they've done for years so that's an awesome thing but everyone's stuff gets wore out later in the year and things like that so I think um some of the inconsistencies we've seen in Brandon later in the year maybe it's not that he's completely overtrained like I you know I made a pretty bold statement there in that sense but maybe just not getting to be on the bike as much as he would like to be on the bike Mm -hmm. and just fluke things I mean it is what it is but you know, I think um, for sure the move to the YFZ for him, he was super excited about it. And I, I think it's a huge benefit, benefit for him. And I look forward to next season with him and, you know, growing on that bike some more and getting his practice program on a YFZ. So he's riding the same thing he's racing and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, credit to Fords, like you said, I mean, the, the Ford family helping competitors of their boys, um, something that they've always done, but that's, that's huge. I mean, they, they support the sport so much, but yeah, I mean, I'm bummed for Brandon, uh, six, nine on the day, eighth overall, Brandon isn't happy with that or finishing sixth in points. Um, yeah, like you said, he didn't like that. You said he was overtrained Casey. Uh, but, um, but what does, what does Brandon have to do to contend for more than just one podium next season uh we know he's got the speed i mean he was third fastest in qualifying um i'm assuming and w- what you're gonna say is you know there was change mid-season with his program and going to the yamaha and stuff if he's gonna stay on the yamaha you know he needs yamaha practice bikes so i mean that's such a big thing we've been covering it on these shows but you can't practice on one machine and race the other um i'm assuming if he can just kind of figure out all that stuff with his program and get it all the same uh i would assume that that's going to be the extra gear that he needs to grab but the speed's already there like i said he was third fastest in qualifying yeah i mean and you know the only thing i could say is that could be affecting him a little bit is riding one and the other but he definitely has made the choice that he wants to ride the yfz you know on the weekends and stuff like that so it's definitely the right choice for him i strongly believe in that i know brandon does too but yeah, it's exactly what you said. Getting his practice program to where, you know, he's got, you know, a stalker to ride and beat on and, you know, a resembled race bike to where he can ride that and practice on that a couple of days before the race. So when he's going into the race, 
he feels 100% confident he's not going from one machine to the other. Exactly. Uh, how about this guy, Cody Ford, sixth overall with two strong moto finishes, uh, eighth and seventh. This was his ninth consecutive top 10 finish, best overall finish since his unforgettable podium finish at Sunset Ridge in 2019. What a day for Cody Ford, Casey. Clinched top 10 in points as well. Yeah, Cody's had a stellar year. I mean, looking at the points and looking at the consistency in him, I mean, he's one of the con- most consistent guys out there right now. You know, between him and and Logan Stanfield, I mean, these guys are just clicking them off. I mean, it's, you know, constant ninth, eighth, 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 ninth, tenth, eighth, 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 ninth, you know, and Logan's the same way. So um, Cody's come around, you know, good. I mean, and to end up, what'd you say? He was fifth overall this weekend six, or six, sixth overall? Sixth overall. Sixth overall. Yep. I'm reading this thing wrong. Yeah. Six overall here. So, yeah. Um, Cody's had a good year, and I think Cody should hold his head high. He, I think he's grown as a racer, mm-hmm. you know, over last year. And, you know, yeah, did he get on the podium this year? No. Did he last year? Yes. But, you know, the next weekend was a, a 13th or a 14th. This week, you know, this year he's just clicking off good, consistent finishes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a credit to him because um, it he normalized finishing, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth this season, sixth this weekend. Um, but last season he was nowhere near that. I think he ended up 13th in points. So uh, huge, huge credit to him. He took a, a major step forward. Uh, this is an official. Uh, we'll have to break down, you know, the numbers before we award a digging deep, most improved pro award. But I've been thinking for a while that Cody Ford would possibly and probably get my vote. This ride might've clinched it. Honestly, uh, Jeremy, who would you, who would you award, uh, your vote for most improved pro? If I asked you that question, you know, of the, the list you sent over the questions I spent the most time on this question okay. because at first on the surface, I, I thought like you, I thought, wow, Cody, Cody Ford looks faster, more consistent, mm-hmm. almost all top tens, I think, except for maybe the first round. Yep. yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah. He, he just looks like the most improved guy. And I started looking at other racers. I, I looked at Logan Stanfield. He, he's almost like quietly in the same mold. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He just, he's there. Yeah. I think he had mostly top 10 finishes all year and he finished eighth. Well, I was going to say, I mean, he was, he seemed like he was eighth every weekend. You know, you could just pencil yeah. him in there. He was eighth. Yep. It's so I'm kind of, you know, I like Cody. I don't know Logan that well. Um, but man, I started to struggle looking <laughs> at those two. And then if you really want to go kind of out there, which is I think kind of a, a hail Mary, you got Rastrelli who had a terrible year last year, but look mm-hmm. how improved he is this year. So yeah, do, do you go by how high they've been mm-hmm. or right. just last year versus this year? No, you're right. I mean, we've seen, that's the thing with Logan. We saw him get a top five overall last year in Virginia. Mm-hmm. We obviously have seen Jeffrey run second and third in the past, but yes, like if you're just going strictly off a of last season, I mean, Jeffrey, you know, he's probably the slam dunk, most improved guy. Yeah. And then, oh, the yeah. other, then the other guy that obviously needs to be part of this conversation is Wesley Wolf. Um, oh, for sure. Because I mean, he was the guy that I think was probably at 
the top of most people's lists. And then he goes out hurt and everything changes a little bit, but um, you know, I don't want to let him being out these last two events overshadow the fact that man, did he take a step this season? Yeah. I, I don't know uh, who is going to be the official most improved. I wish you luck with that decision. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I think just watching them race, I, I'd almost have to stick with Cody. I, I, not that none of the others are deserving. They're all great racers. Yep. But he just kind of sticks out as when I watch him, he, he's smoother and faster and more consistent than I think he was the last couple seasons, even though I think he finished ninth in 2019. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, yep. But – but that class but, wasn't comparable to this one. Right. I, don't th- I don't think. Right. Yeah. I, I just think that comparing him to himself, he looks the most improved by the eyeball. Yep. I think so too. Uh, so great job for Cody Ford. I mean, to, to end, there's nothing better than ending the season on a high like that. So that's a great thing for him. Great job for Michael Allred as too. We, uh, Michael Allred as well. We touched on him a little bit for that first moto. He ran third for a little bit early in the day, ended up finishing uh, seven, eight for seventh overall, um, which, you know, he got that six overall at Unadilla seventh overall here. Awesome for him. What a day for Michael Allred. Casey, uh, we'll get into it a little bit later later uh, but he arguably even had a better day on Sunday but seventh overall um, is great for Michael Allred I mean that was a hell of a ride yeah and you know like I said earlier technically he tied for sixth overall yeah um, you know I think Cody had the better second moto so he ended up getting you know the nod for six overall but no I mean Michael's made strides this year you know he's had a an up and down season sort of, but still at the same time, pretty consistent. And, you know, it's on the same place to end the season where he did. I mean, that just gives you all the motivation to do what he's doing, you know, going to work, raising a, you know, having a family and, and working his butt off and to come back, you know, with his second best of the season, you know, he was a sixth that Unadilla and a seventh here. So, I think that's got him right there. You know, he's only a few points out of, um, say, the top 10 in his rookie season. So I think that's impressive. And I think Michael has a lot, you know, at the same time, a lot of motivation going into next year. That entire team, you know, Chris Hunt, Huntscape's crew, you know, having Thomas in his corner, I think it's a big benefit for him. Mm-hmm. And and teaching him this racecraft that I speak about all the time, the, the elusive racecraft that you have to have to be up there. And then, you know, obviously we'll talk about his Sunday here in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, cr- again, credit to him. Like you said, uh, we've called him the working class hero um, just to go out there and to run with the guys that he's running with. Um, you know, he's, he was in a tier uh, talking about fantasy stuff. He was in a tier with Cody Ford, who was awesome this year and Logan Stanfield, who was awesome this year. And Michael very much so held his own. He actually, he tied, um, for the lead in that, in that tier this weekend. So, uh, awesome job for him. And like you said, I mean, he's got a bunch of momentum going in next season. So Logan Stanfield as well. Uh, we just, talked about him a little bit. He was involved in that tangle early in moto one. Then I believe he flipped again, lost his seat. Um, and still he overcame that, uh, for a top 10 in moto one killer ride, um, in the second moto sixth for him in that, uh, moto two there, he ended up ninth overall, uh, eighth on the season, but Casey, he probably ended the season with his best moto of the year. That's sixth, uh, 
very much felt like the fifth he got in Virginia last year. So to end the season, I mean, Logan Stanfield, like I said, probably ended his season with the best mode of the year. Yeah. And even though, you know, his box score in the first moto wasn't fantastic to go through what he went through and then finish exactly. the moto still charging yep. was impressive. And I went and talked to him. I'm like, dude, that was rough. <laughs> and he was kind of like, not even rattled. I was just like, it looked painful from my perspective of watching him go through so many different ups and downs in that moto and still come out with a decent finish. And then to bounce back and ride the way he did in the second moto, I was, I was overjoyed for him. Um, I think, you know, a lot of guys ended the season on a very high note. Um, some of their best finishes that they've had this year, some didn't, you know, so on and so forth, but you know, Logan, Logan's going to Logan and he gets just this little edge, you know, when we see little flashes of it here and there, and that's what we've seen in the second moto this weekend was, you know, Logan rode completely different than I've seen him ride most of the year this year. And Virginia was kind of one of those things, but it comes down to getting a good start. Mm-hmm. Logan got an excellent start in the, in the second moto, put himself in position and, and went out and, and pushed himself. And I don't want to say rode over his head by any means, because we all know Logan, he's not going to ride over his head. Right. But he pushed the envelope a little bit more than he has in the past with a good start and look at the result. Exactly. Uh, and such a good kid. I mean, I love that dude. So uh, kid, every kid you want to cheer for a guy you want to cheer for, I should say uh, just an awesome dude. So great job to him. Uh, awesome. Eighth place finish on the season, but sixth in that second moto, it was ninth overall uh, on the weekend, but awesome. Second moto, awesome. First moto too, with everything he overcame. So great job to Logan Stanfield. Uh, welcome. Speaking of guys that, uh, ended the season on a high note, welcome to the top 10 rookie Vince Merman. Uh, the Ohio native shined on his local, um, track there, grabbing the first top 10 finish of his young career. Jeremy, he's a local guy to you guys, uh, stoked that he made it happen there on home soil, grabbing his first top 10 finish of his career. Uh, were you stoked to see that happen for Vince? Oh, for sure. I sent him a message either that night or the next day. Um, yeah, I was super pumped for him. And I, I do recall through each moto catching glimpses of him and thinking, man, he's doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, no, super awesome. Uh, happy for Vince. He, he's, he's definitely put in the work this year. Um, and I, I think it's well-deserved. Yeah. He seems like a, a really good guy. Um, so I was stoked to see him. I mean, he was a guy that a lot of us picked in, uh, in fantasy. Uh, he paid off in a major way for my fantasy team at Briarcliff. Speaking of digging deep ATVMX fantasy, not only did Chad Weenan get crowned on Saturday, but we crowned a champion of the first ever ATV fantasy league. Let's get our champion on here to chat about it. All right, guys, it's my pleasure to introduce, brought to you by our friends at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, specializing in all your steel, aluminum, and stainless steel needs, headlined by their 4130 chromoly tubing and plate. Visit launderville today. Our first ever Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy League champion, Mr. Aaron Bates. Dude, welcome to Digging Deep. First of all, congrats. You slayed it, man. You're the champ, the first ever ATV Fantasy champ. Congrats. Thanks, Cody. It's an honor to be here, man. 
So first of all, uh, thanks so much for playing it. I think it made the 2021 season so much, you know, more fun than it would have been previously. So final numbers were 201, 201 people played the game with us. And at the start of the season, we were selling it as, you know, prove that, you know, ATV motocross better than the rest. And Aaron, you proved, uh, you know, the sport better than the rest of us, I guess. How does it feel? And that's not true. It was just a lot of guessing. <laughs> Uh, but, but it uh, turned out good <laughs> yeah man you killed it so uh and we've been saying i mean we've been saying on these episodes like uh they've been super super hard to predict i mean that's why like it was crazy i think i've probably said this on the show as well but i was worried that there would be no parody like everybody would you know know what was going to happen and pick the same team every week and it was going to be super predictable and that wasn't the case at all uh we had a couple rounds where you know there was you know five guys that tied for the the event win uh, i think we had one that was even bigger than that maybe you know seven or eight or whatever um but down the stretch here at least at the last two races there was only one sole guy that you know that took the event win at these things and there was multiple races where like the, the perfect, uh, lineup was never even achieved. Like there was people winning without the perfect lineup. So I was just stoked on the way it played out, but, uh, man, you had something down because, because you're the, the guy standing on, on the mountaintop at the end of this thing. It was man, tier two. That's just a toss up. It was, <laughs> right. it was literally just who had a fastest qualifying time and who you thought was going to be reliable at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Cause that changed so much. And I think one of the big turns was going into sunset being Joel's track mm -hmm. and Chad pulling the fastest qualifying time. Mm -hmm. And one of my buddies, Jason was like, dude, if, if Chad's got the fastest qualifying time, you got to take Chad. And then mm -hmm. it ended up. And I think that's when I got up into the top five, maybe. Okay. And then after that, I mean, Joel and Chad's just a toss up of mm -hmm. who was going to be there, but tier two was that killer, was tough. Right? Yeah. Killer, <laughs> right. That, that grouping, you know, uh, from, you know, third to seventh or eighth or whatever, uh, so hard to pick. And I was going to ask you about that. So for me, you know, I tried to like really not think about qualifying that much because you got guys, um, you know, th th that don't necessarily qualify that good, but they're always going to be up in the mix. I mean, Jeffrey is one of the guys that comes to mind. Wesley at times might not qualify as well as they're going to race. I was going to ask you about that strategy, like how much you went on, uh, you know, on qualifying times, or if it was just like, cause for me, like, and I do the same thing with fantasy football. I, you know, my, my kind of my gut reaction from the very beginning going into the race, uh, is what I pretty much stick with. And I don't let qualifying change kind of my, my train of thought there. I usually pick my lineup kind of Wednesday, Thursday, and then okay. I'd get up on Saturday and watch qualifying and kind of go from there and make uh -huh. changes from there. But I mean, okay. it's kind of hard in tier two because Bryce always had mm -hmm. fastest qualifier and yeah, yeah, it's hard to look past that because you got <laughs> Jeffrey and Wesley and Hogue and right. all them behind him that, I mean, one little mess up changes that whole tier. Exactly. Um, down the stretch here, actually at Loretta's and Briarcliff, both, I was riding Brandon Hogue and I love Brandon. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've probably as close with Brandon as any of those guys. Uh, but man, he just, he didn't pay off for me in, in fan <laughs> fantasy terms. Uh, you know, he, he was looking so good at, at Loretta's 
running third in that whole first moto until the very end. And I'm like, man, like I'm sitting on the gate thinking I'm killing it in fantasy this week. <laughs> and uh, that's when things took a little turn for the worst, but you know, honestly, pal, I'm glad that you won because of all the 201 people playing this thing, my parents ended up tying for second and I finished third. So my biggest fear was people were going to think this thing was rigged. So uh, I guess thanks for getting the job done. <laughs> <laughs> well, you told me that y'all sit around the dinner table talking about it. Uh-huh. Well, are you, <laughs> did you send me a message about uh, that? It looked a little fishy, like jokingly or whatever. Yeah. I did send you a message saying, uh-huh. man, all the Jansons are in the top five. And- right. Right. You're like, yeah, my mom was going to tell me that it was all rigged. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like, um, I feel like you can tell that, you know, we talk about it. We have yeah. similar opinions on, you know, these riders. Uh, we break it all down together. So it is funny. Like they literally tied and they, they don't take the same picks. Uh, Cause my mom was behind me going into this race. I think actually I was second. I think I might've been ahead of both of them. And uh, I was really swinging for the fences. I knew uh, if I could, you know, make a bunch of points up with Brandon, maybe I could, you know, come up and battle you for the win with this thing. But, uh, but yeah, it didn't work out for me, but um, Brooke told me my girlfriend, she said, well, if anybody thinks it's rigged, then, you know, why do you think I'm in 60 something or whatever? So, <laughs> so kind, of, kind of funny. Uh, so how we're going to do this as far as prizes go. So I'm going to get all the prizes together and then starting with you, since you're uh, at the top of the list, being the, the champ, uh, we're going to go down that list and basically let you pick from the prizes available, um, letting the, the other listeners, the other players kind of uh, filling them in on, on all of this. So we're at least going to award the top 10. I'm thinking it should be surely more than that. Uh, obviously excluding my family, of course, we're not going to take any of the, the prizes away from you guys. And then we're going to do some random selection for prizes as well. So you don't even, you know, have to be good at the game. We'll kind of go down the list or we'll, we'll uh, use like a uh, like a randomizer, come up with a number and I'll look at that spot and we'll start awarding people that way as well. I just want to make sure we sprinkle some stuff in there for people that necessarily weren't at the top of the list, but that's no concern to you. You're number one and you're a racer as well, Aaron. So maybe a, a new set of CSD Pulse MXR tires, a fresh DP brake kit, a DID ATV two chain. I mean, maybe some Valvoline, uh, 10 W 40 ATV oil. I mean, all kinds of cool stuff to choose from, uh, you know, uh, hopefully signed the plan is for signed prizes from some of the riders as well. So uh, that's going to be really exciting, but should be a lot of, a lot of cool stuff to choose from. Nice. So uh, Aaron, so by looking at the results, um, your, your key to this thing was consistency. Uh, you only won one event. I think, uh, from what I can recall, uh, you only scored top 10 finishes three times, but it seemed like consistency, uh, was what got you there. And you ended with a 16 point gap over the field, which in the game is actually kind of a lot. So consistency was key for you. Yeah. And the two big tiers was three and four. Mm-hmm. Like, Cody and Logan were, I mean, most of the time they either split points or, I mean, it was a toss up between them. And then uh, tier four was either Caesar or uh, Poland. Yep. VTech was in there. VTech. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so it's kind of, it was kind of a toss up just picking between two riders. And mm-hmm. I mean, same thing with tier one, Joel or Chad, but mm-hmm. I mean, tier two was killer. Exactly. And it seemed like, and you kind of hinted at this when you, when you referenced Sunset Ridge, but from mid season on, you really hit your stride. So at what point did you think, man, I could like, I could really win this thing. 
it, every weekend I just kind of made my picks and it was guesses, <laughs> but the last two rounds, it was like, man, I can't mess this up, but hey, I'm at the top, <laughs> man. You're, 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 you're taking shots at my ego saying that you won this thing by guessing, <laughs> by guessing, I mean, come on. But, uh, how, so was there any, like, I mean, nervous isn't the right word, but was there any nerves at the, at the end of this thing? Like, man, I can't come this close and not get the job done. Yeah. And my picks at Loretta's were not good. I don't think I had a top pick out of all four tiers. Okay. And then the last one, I was just hoping to hang on. And like mm-hmm. I texted you when we were waiting for the points to come out and I was like, man, the suspense <laughs> is killing me. Right. Yeah. It was for me too. It was for me too. So, uh, and I don't know if it was because they didn't have that great a service there or whatever. Um, but I was waiting for them to update, you know, the, the points or whatever, uh, just, you know, give us the points breakdown and it didn't come on Saturday night. So I, I finally, uh, when you and I were messaging each other, I'm like, okay, like I'm going to do the math by hand. I'll figure out all the points. We'll plug it into the game. Cause I couldn't wait anymore either. Uh, but, at, <laughs> but at Briarcliff, you scored, uh, one of, if not your highest points output of the year, you killed it there. So, uh, take me through your, your strategy, um, because it's not like you, you pick the same riders every weekend. You were actually like really evenly split. You picked Chad five times and Joel five times in tier two, you picked Bryce three times, Hogue, Wolf and Janusa twice. And then, uh, Max and Jeffrey, you each picked once. And I actually think when you picked Max, I think he was actually in tier three, um, Stanfield, you picked five times, Cody Ford, you picked four times. So that was really a toss up. Like you said, in tier three, and then Caesar was the one guy that you, you picked a bunch, six times you chose him. You rode Caesar, like so many of us did, but you were really unbiased with your, with your team. So did that, uh, so I guess, uh, did you make your decision basically like on the, the tracks you thought riders were going to strive on or how did you determine your teams? Take me through the strategy a little bit there. I mean, listening to the podcast every week and what y'all kind of helped predict and who was going to be stronger at different tracks. And then mm-hmm. and mainly watching qualifiers is, okay. I mean, it was still unpredictable. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, tier two, anything could happen. I mean, Max threw a wrench in everything with winning <laughs> two <laughs> races. Right. It, congratulations to him but i mean Mm -hmm. it was he threw a wrench and everything wesley i took when it was supposed to be a mud race thinking gncc background was going to come back and help him and ended up not being as much as a mud race as we all thought it was going to be and Mm -hmm. just kind of condition conditions and qualifying Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting always like every week, uh, you know, I can see the analytics on how many people, you know, chose, um, you know, each rider. And I think, you know, Walnut might Sunset Ridge might have been the one where, uh, you know, Chad got close to, to Joel on how many people were picking him. But I mean, no surprise because so many people love Joel, but Joel was like the most picked rider in the game. Um, uh, Caesar, Caesar got picked a ton. I mean, I think that he was like, if not excluding Joel, put it this way, excluding Joel, uh, Caesar was probably the most picked guy and Stanfield was at times too. But, uh, listening to you there, we got to take some notes because you absolutely slayed it. You beat a lot of us who think we know what we're talking about from, you know, current pros like Michael Allred and Bryce Ford. I think Michael actually finished in the top 10 as well. And I was wondering if he picked himself every week, but, uh, (laughs) past pros like Brett Musig and myself, industry insiders like Casey Greek and, and, uh, Ian Harris from SS and so many others you you arts outsmarted all of us now your buddy jared 
uh, Hunt messaged us and he hinted at the fact that you may have had an advisory board to help you with your, your selections, huh? Yeah. Him, him and our other buddy, Jason, Jason was the one that gave me the strategy of Chad's faster and qualifier. You can't bet against him. Okay. It, it, they did have a lot of input. Most of the times we had a lot of the picks and mm-hmm. that were all the same, but okay. a lot of the times we were on different spectrums of the board and it, I guess it paid out better for me. So, so he's just wanting some credit. That's what's going on here. That That's exactly what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, well, you got the throne now, pal. You got the throne. The throne's all yours in 2021. But, uh, you know, many of us, many of us are going to be coming for that crown in 2022. Last question for you, pal. How much more fun did digging deep ATVMX fantasy make your fan experience this season? Because even for me, I mean, I'm obviously part of this thing. We helped, you know, uh, we put it together. Um, but man, it just made watching the racing go down. It was so much more fun, uh, with the, the fantasy thing going on. Yeah. Like you said, when you started this, you wanted more recognition for, you know, not one and two or the top mm-hmm. five. And exactly there was times, uh, I think it was Logan did the live feed of high point and Jared was over at my house too. And we're sitting on the couch watching the race and yelling for Cody and Caesar mm-hmm. and everybody else to go Why Joel and Chad just kind of checked out. So mm-hmm. it brought a lot of recognition to everybody else in the field, except, you know, one and two. Mm-hmm. No, I agree hundred percent. I mean, they're at, being at the, at the races, at the track for these things, I'm, I'd find myself watching the middle of the pack when in years past, like literally watching the middle of the pack more than anywhere else. Um, and in years past, obviously you're watching the front two guys. So yes, like that was a huge motivator was trying to give those guys some more exposure. I really do think that we authentically did that, but just in general, like trying to pick, uh, I mean, why do, I mean, people play fantasy football or fantasy other sports because, you know, you want to, you want to try to predict, like, that's just kind of the fun part of it. And, uh, I hope that, I hope that you guys, I hope everybody had a little more fun this year with the fantasy thing, uh, you know, kind of being involved with this whole sport. No, it's, it's been awesome. And it's going to be interesting to see next year. Cause one or three through seven is unbelievable. <laughs> right. Well, congrats again on the championship, pal. You have a, a bunch of cool awards and prizes coming your way. Um, thanks again for, for playing along with us. Thanks to everyone who played ATV fantasy. I think like you touched on, I mean, next year is going to be awesome. I think it's going to double in size or more next season. I had so many people say to me, man, I, I'm bummed that I didn't get in on it at the beginning of the year. I'm not going to miss it next year. Uh, I mean, so, so, so many. So I think it's going to be huge next year it's going to make it that much more competitive it's going to make it that much more fun and uh, i think it's think it's going to be a really good time uh but just know pal i'm coming for you in 2022 it's on all right we'll bring it and hopefully we get a lot more people involved in it it'd be great (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks so much, pal. Congrats again. That's Aaron Bates, our inaugural Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy Season Champion, brought to you by Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Congrats, pal. We'll be uh, we'll be in touch soon, okay? Thanks, Cody. As the number one podcast in ATV racing, it's only right that we partner with the industry leaders in suspension tuning. Insert Impact Solutions. Impact Solutions is a full-service ATV and side-by-side suspension center specializing in the revalving and service of your motocross and off-road suspension. 
With over 25 years of elite level knowledge, experience, and testing with riders of all ages and ability levels, Casey Greek, Jay Goble, and the Impact crew strive to exceed the client's expectations for service and setup. Impact Solutions is the official Elka Suspension Service Center of the United States, offering unmatched product knowledge and experience. Whether you're in need of service, parts, warranty, sales, or technical support, Impact Solutions has you covered. Head over to ImpactSolutionsATV.com or give them a call today. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The following message is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has outdone themselves this time, creating the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at Manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I am blown away. This thing is next level. What sets this trimmer apart from all the rest? The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It features a new multi-functioning on-off switch with travel lock for those of us who like to travel. And my favorite, the new trimmer allows you to customize your trim with four different guard lengths and upgrade from its predecessor that only featured two. If you're listening, you know that good tools are a must, so wait no more to get the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology. DP has been dominating the ATV world for decades, supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet. 2021's impressive lineup includes Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rastrelli of the Phoenix Racing Team, myself, Cody Jansen, and my back-to-back national championships, Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, Wesley Wolf, and many more, including all of the top 14 GNCC Series pros, led by the champ Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, and Chris Borich. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or message the show for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP Brakes. 15 years into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back with us and continuing to make huge waves in the ATV world. For the second consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team, providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, and grab bars for some of the fastest riders on the planet. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of products available for all makes and models. Want to be just like Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rostrelli riding with Factory 43's industry-leading products? Head over to factory43atv.com today. All right, finishing up here with Casey Greek and Jeremy Osborne on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, Briarcliff Review and Season Wrap-Up Show. We just heard from our Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy 
uh, winner there. We've been talking a little digging deep ATMX fantasy and one rider that was a fantasy darling all season long was Cesar Jimenez. He was by far the most picked guy in tier four this season. He was one of the most picked riders in all of the game week in and week out. He started the day at Briarcliff super strong, ran inside the top five early, eventually finished ninth in Moto One, which was super solid, but he suffered a, a mechanical, I believe in Moto Two. So 11th on the day, 12th on the year is how it would end up for Caesar. But honestly, I was really impressed by him all season long, guys. Casey, I'll have you weigh in first because I believe uh, you work with that program a little bit. Um, yeah, Caesar, Caesar had a good year. I think he was struggling from, I don't want to say, I don't know if it was health issues or what exactly was going on. I know Timmy had told me. And, um, you know, but it's still a good year. He was competitive all season long and got him put himself in positions over and over again. I think we've seen some good speed out of him this weekend, you know, with running the top five for quite a while there. And I think that's good. And every time you get those little tastes of running in that top five, it's only going to make you a better rider. And so I think Caesar really needed that. Absolutely. Uh, Jeremy. So um, with Caesar, we can get your opinion on him, but just behind him and points as well was Vitek Nikenyak, the likable Polish rider. And the reason why I say that is because you had shot me a message saying, uh, you know, that you were, it just made your heart happy or whatever to see a Polish rider like Vitek Nikenyak riding your track. He had a, a solid season as well. Um, I think he went down and I believe he broke his leg. Don't quote me on that, but I believe he broke his leg. Um, but yeah, I mean, Vitek was impressive. I thought, as was Caesar, but Caesar's been around um, both guys that, you know, aren't native to the U S here. Caesar's been around a little bit more VTech kind of just comes over here and gets thrust into this thing. And he really held his own. Um, but you said, Jeremy, that that made your heart happy to see some of these guys on the racetrack, some guys that have traveled the world and they find themselves right at your own track, right in your backyard at Briarcliff. Right. And VTech, he, uh, you know, he, everything everybody kind of knows he traveled around and stayed different places this year in between yep. rounds and we had him over here the week after Loretta's and I got to know him and he's just a super cool kid um really bummed me out when he got hurt I uh I thought that was kind of kind of bad luck um unfortunate I'm not 100% sure what happened I know where it happened uh yeah, it kind of kind of bummed me out to see VTech crash and go down, but mm-hmm. super nice kid. I I hope he can come back over uh, next season. I hope so too. I hope so too. He was a great addition to the series and he was really stepping up. Uh, he, he was kind of on a hot streak here at the end. He had a really good result at Loretta's, uh, was really hoping. I mean, a lot of people picked him in fantasy as well here this past weekend. So hate that it ended their prayers for VTech of, uh, of course. Um, but yeah, great job to both of those guys. Shout out to 45 year old Marshall Smith. He earned, uh, his, his career best finish 12th to cap his rookie season. Zach Harris ended up 13th. Shout out to him, Jacob Stevens. He made his pro debut and finished 14th. Shout out to him. And then uh, at the bottom of our results sheet was the injured riders, VTech and Max Lindquist. So a couple things I want to tie up 
with our pro class coverage before we move on and get out of here. So as I was prepping for this, I listened back to our season preview show from back in March. And honestly, like I was pretty impressed with how close we were on some of our predictions. Uh, most notably me shout out to me to accurately predicting Chad Weenan winning the title and clinching the record, but also Casey, you definitely, um, you deserve some credit here because you were very definitive. We've been talking about it all season, but when I listened back, you were very definitive stating that Max Linquist would podium at Redbud, uh, and now obviously we know that was spot on. So shout out to you and shout out to, uh, you know, being pretty close on a lot of the predictions that we had going in. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, it's tough with, um, with so many things between injuries and everything else. And, you know, Max was sort of an easy pick. Uh, I don't remember who I picked would end up third. Um, obviously I'm going to go with Joel winning the championship every time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of, you know, part of my job in one sense, but obviously I got a big involvement there, but no, I mean, it, it was, I mean, <clears throat> watching it and I, I knew Jeffrey was going to rebound this year and Jeffrey was impressive. And I think that's kind of where it's at. Um, would have liked to see, you know, where Wesley would have ended up, you know, I'm gutted for him, you know, talking about most improved rider, you know, I kind of threw Jeffrey and Wesley out there for me, if, and I'm luckily, luckily, I don't have to be in your position to make this pick, <laughs> just as Jeremy said. But for me, it's off of last year. It's not off of your entire career, you know, because we could go back to, exactly. so, you know, so, so many of these guys that have had a really bad year and then rebounded. Um, improved wise, consistency wise, all that kind of stuff, I think for me, and it's not taking anything away because I, I believe wholeheartedly what you guys both said about Logan and Cody Ford. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's it's a Restrelli, Wesley Wolf toss up right now. Even though Wesley's results on paper now, because he's missed the last couple of rounds, mm-hmm. isn't any better than he was last season. But Jeffrey was like tenth last season, yeah, and he's fourth this year with you know two podiums, and I I think that's good. But again, it's your decision to make. So I stand behind you on whatever decision you make there for sure. <laughs> and uh, like Jeremy said, good luck. Yeah, it sucks to be in that position. Last year was pretty easy. We were able to do it by points. Uh, Wes Lewis was clearly the guy. Um, so with, with yes, like there's so many arguments. Wesley, the argument with Wesley, and yes, like Jeffrey was, I mean, he was a uh, out like back of the top 10 guy last year at times. Um, but this year he was up in the mix every weekend. Wesley, though, Wesley went from never having podiumed to getting two podiums this year on an abbreviated schedule because he missed the last two races. Plus, it just seemed like he was always in the mix. He had a number of fourths, fourth in in motos and being up there. Um, So, yes, like Wesley, for me, um, Wesley is there's there's a serious argument to be made there. Just. I mean, it's more like, I I guess I was more thinking of it as last year to this year type of thing. And that's why I think of Cody Ford, because he, he just was nowhere near, nowhere near, um, last, like this year where he was last year. I mean, he's so much farther forward, but yeah, a lot of, lot of, lot of, lot of arguments to be had there. Uh, last topic to mull over, and I'm sure this will get a bunch of pub this off season. The reason why I want to throw it out there is because this is very much in line with what we're saying here. But remember when we were considering who would fill that Thomas Brown spot, um, as the, the regular podium guy, as the guy that could push the top two, um, again, like we didn't necessarily see that not a a podium guy each and every weekend, not a guy that was able to push the top two necessarily. 
But if we were predicting that somebody could take that spot in 2022, what if the guy is Max Linquist? He'll be 18 years old next time we see him. He'll have, you know, grown some, matured some. And I just think that he's going to be a monster because his consistency, his fitness. I mean, at 17, the, the way he looked like a veteran, I'm sure another youngster, Bryce Ford, he's obviously going to have something to say about this, but what do you guys think? I think that, man, like if there was, if there was Vegas odds on this, um, Bryce might be the favorite. If, if, you know, you're trying to predict the guy that might end up being the, the most podium regular, I think Max could very well be the guy. Jeremy, you go ahead and answer this and get yourself in trouble because I've already been there. <laughs> well, I I think as long as nobody puts him on a T-shirt and jinxes him for each weekend, he's got a pretty good shot. Um, I You know, any of those guys, uh, I don't think there's going to be another Thomas Brown type character. I think we're going to see different guys. I could see, I could very easily see each of them getting a couple podiums each year so like like this year then like very similar to this year like it's just a dog fight yeah they're so competitive and i think the hope is that they'll somehow go up a couple levels and mix it up with chad and joel occasionally not Mm -hmm. because i don't want to see anything bad for those guys but we want great racing yeah and uh it would make it very interesting for the the title if you had you know, some of these guys getting podiums to, you know, get up in there to that second spot once in a while and just kind of mix it up. For sure. Um, this season was so much fun because it was so hard to predict each and every weekend. You had no idea who was going to grab that podium spot, even the winners. I mean, it was hard to predict the winners at times, um, which had getting some crazy, some wins that were maybe unexpected or whatever. Uh, but yeah, like it was, the fact that it was unpredictable made it so much fun. So we don't want a Thomas Brown uh, that's going to finish third every weekend. We don't want that. No, uh, we, we actually owe Thomas <laughs> for, for bowing out so we could have some right. more interesting racing. We there all you owe. go. Yeah, there you go. Um, but yeah, you're, you're, you're right. It very well could just be that we're going to see guys very much like this year. It's just going to be a dog fight for that third spot. And, and like you said, Jeremy, hopefully, uh, you know, that gnarly pack is just going to push them that much closer to the top two. Um, so that wraps up our pro class coverage. Um, oh. go ahead. Hold on. We got to give Jeremy a round of applause for keeping himself out of trouble. Cause I'm definitely <laughs> smart enough to do that. <laughs> Uh, I'm impressed with that. As a promoter for roughly 16, 17 years, you got to learn to walk the line a little bit. Uh, The politically correct take. I just come out swinging when I get on here. I'm just like, whatever, you know, you're either going to use it as ammo or you're, or you're going to be mad at me, but one way or another, we're going to say what we feel. (laughs) But no, I I do believe, I mean, and I'm with you. I just looking through, I have the entire spreadsheet of the results pulled up and just watching the different places that you see thirds and seconds and stuff all over the the chart is, is exactly what Jeremy just said. And, And I think that's great. And I think we can all agree on that. I think as fans of the sport, we can agree on that. A thousand percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. The fact that it's not predictable is absolutely awesome because that is not how it's been for the last handful of years. Um, and, and yeah, so the fact that we don't know what's going to happen every weekend, um, 
it's awesome. And it just leaves me wanting more. Uh, so can't wait for 2022. It was a hell of a, hell of a finale. Um, but an awesome season. It was just incredible racing. I think that we saw the level in that pro class, like higher than as long as I can really remember. Um, I don't want to overstate that necessarily. Cause obviously pro class is gnarly at all times. I raced it for a number of years where it was gnarly, but man, it just, it was at another level this season. And I truly believe that. Um, so quickly let's get through the rest of the racing from Briarcliff, most notably, and we hinted at this earlier, Michael freaking Allred wins pro stock. How did, like, how did he pull that off Casey? Uh, good starts. I mean, he put himself in position. It was pretty crazy. Per the um, usual, per the usual with him. I wanted to, yeah. I, w- I wanted to say that earlier. I mean, those couple, those couple, that sixth overall and seventh overall that he got this season, you can, you can credit that directly to his like incredible hole shots. So go on. So, yeah, I mean, you had four guys that tied in points. Yep. For okay. they all tied, they all tied, with they all tied. Points. So you had, yeah. you had Janusa. Joel, Chad, and Michael, that all tied. Janusa won the first moto. You know, Chad goes 3-2. Joel goes 2-3. Michael goes 4-1. Janusa goes 1-4 for fourth. Like, the guy that scored has the same moto scores as you, wins overall, and you end up fourth. And then you got Chad and Joel that go in there. And so it's just crazy. I mean, I think that was one of the worst finishes um, Janusa's had all year. So, you know – crazy how it went down and i michael rode awesome i not to like oh this is again see i get myself in, i get my own self in trouble not i kept waiting for michael to i don't want to say throw it away but just knowing you know chad's behind you as as a guy like michael already or myself or you like if you have chad behind you like you're gonna start making mistakes you're oh, gonna yeah. you're gonna like yeah. falter just having that knowing that not only do you have Chad Weenan right behind you, you have Joel Hedrick right on him and Nick Janusa right on him. Mm-hmm. And Michael never faltered. I mean, he rode so solid and I was like jumping up and down and excited for him. I mean, I, there was such a crowd up there that was so stoked for him. And, yep. you know, I went to the podium and just to see the look on Chris and his face and his wife's face and everyone that was involved and actually completing something that, monumental monumental i'm looking at the results right now and it's almost still hard to believe it says michael Allred, chad win and joel hedrick nick chanusa michael's in first wins overall i mean talk about ending the season on a high um i was texting back and forth with chris hunt yesterday which is the guy that takes care of a lot of michael's program Mm -hmm. and he's like man i just have no energy all week like he's just He's like, I just feel kind of like blah. He's like, I think I'm going to come down. He's got a house that's pretty close to mine here in North Carolina. He's okay. like, I think I'm going to come down and just kind of chill out and, you know, maybe go do some inshore fishing or whatever this weekend. And I said that you're just finally decompressing from the world one of a season and all the energy you spill on Sunday. And that's exactly <laughs> what's going on with him. Like, right. he, he's not sick. He's like, I know I'm not sick. I don't have a runny nose or anything goopy. He's like, I just don't really have any energy and I think for all of us, I mean, Jeremy's in that position right now. He's spent so much energy. For me, it's just been constant all season long, and I feel like my season's over, but it's not. I got, you know, a big event this weekend that, I, that I'm that i doing, and then next weekend I'm going to the last TV, and then it's like the next weekend after that we have a wedding, and, like, I'm not going to get any 
time like where we like decompress so i'm just hoping that it doesn't i don't falter like midway through the second half of my season going on right now right 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 yeah so uh incredible way but yeah i mean there's definitely some you know some d cell or whatever after such a natural high like that and and the, the pictures that i saw were amazing just of chris hunt and just the bliss on his face i mean it was just awesome so uh credit to michael allred that was amazing so he leads that second moto wire to wire takes the overall win with 4-1 scores what a freaking performance chad weenan goes 3-2 for second and i believe wins the championship casey right yeah he won the championship and so um okay. i think um, they come down to just a couple points between those two and, you know, some, some differences there. I don't know exactly how the rule read and, you know, exactly what had happened. I know Joel had felt that, or they had done the math. If he finished, he could finish after like the third or fourth round. If he finished second, the rest of the year with the way the drops ha- came out and so on and so forth that he would win the championship. So I think there was a little confusion on the, on the podium about who won the championship, but they got it sorted out. Um, you know, hats off to Chad. I mean, an awesome year, win two championships. You know, Joel, you can't take anything from that. I mean, he he finished second in both championships, was in the title fight the entire way through. You know, I think we ended up with a 16-point gap in the in the pro class and a three or four or six-point gap in the pro stock class. So nothing that can be taken away from that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, Chad's won every pro stock championship to date. Joel Hattrick went two, three for third, um, valiant effort for him in that, uh, that title as well. And despite winning the first moto, uh, like we said, kind of, it was a, it was a tie basically in points on the day at five, but Nick Janusa, he wins the first moto and ends up off the podium, uh, finished fourth overall with one, four scores, incredible racing. Uh, we need to see more of that. I love that class. Love to love to see the great race on those stalkers. Um, okay. So the one thing we haven't touched on, Jeremy, tell me about the conditions on Sunday. I know you guys had to battle oh. some, some weather and stuff there for Sunday. So tell me about that quick. Yeah, it, it, uh, so yeah, Saturday night we're getting pit quad racing on it's starting to sprinkle and it, it, that kind of added to that, the festivities there. Okay. Uh, that was kind of cool. Uh, apparently, uh, mother nature decided to turn the spigot on wide open overnight. Um, I think we got close to an inch of rain Saturday night into Sunday, which flooded a lot of the track. Um, I got on a dozer about 5 AM apologize to anybody. I woke up, but, uh, me and another guy, we, we worked on it and worked on it and scraped and scraped and scraped for about four hours. Had to cancel sight laps and went right into racing at 9.30. Um, it was muddy. The first few motos in the start was kind of a muddy disaster. And um, rideable, not, not, not primo by any means. Um, definitely probably made the track a little more one-lined. Okay. Uh, but quitting wasn't an option. You know, we championships on the line. We can't just throw in the towel and say, nope, right. we're not going to do this. So yeah, I thought, did. I thought about we that. Did. I'll let, I'll let you finish there, Jeremy, but I did think about that. I'm like, I don't think that they can cancel Sunday. Like, no. like that wasn't an option because yeah, there's titles on the line. That's championship crowning day. No, And, and we, and we're not going to have it go down like that. Right. Um, no, it, it's serious. So 
No, we we did what we could in the amount of time that was allowable. And uh, by no means was it great the first 10, 12 motos. It was muddy. Okay. Um, but it got better as the day went. And, heck, by the end of the day, you even saw hints of dust uh, mm-hmm. here and there. So, yeah. Uh, not the way I wanted it to go down, but it was the hand I was dealt. Yeah. Credit to you guys for all the effort on bringing it together like that, making it happen, giving them, giving riders the best track that they could have. Um, yeah, you know how it goes when you put enough quads out there, it'll, it'll dry up eventually. I never saw more DNSs than I saw on the results sheet from from sunday there i'm like really like it's the it's the it's the end of the season like this should be for all the marbles i i was blown away by that yeah and and i'll be honest (laughs) i i am not a great mud rider myself and if i'm not in the points i probably would have picked the way they did as well okay it it was especially if you were an early moto it it Uh was yeah, not the most desirable conditions. Okay. I, I'll say that. Um, okay. But, you know, it, for guys that had to go, you know, you, if you want to win, you got to put that aside mentally and go. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You're not wrong. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I always prided myself in my mud, uh, mud abilities. So I was thinking, man, I was, uh, you know, wishing I was there with the, the big CSTs on and, uh, let's go win something. But, uh, but yeah, credit to you guys for, um, you know, for, for putting forth so much effort to give everybody the best racetrack that they could have on Sunday pro sport. Didn't have to worry about that as they, uh, they race on Saturday where Dane Molander stood on top of the box, um, similar to what he did at red, but he was joined by Zach Kazmarek and Brett Music this time. Speaking of Brett, he outdueled Kazmarek for the 25 plus title. Congrats to my uh, successor there. Um, you Bryce, know, uh, Justin Weiss was leading the points. I know he was. Week. Oh, I know it. They, yeah. So it yeah. wasn't even Zach. I mean, I, yeah, Zach had a chance at it, but Zach, yeah. I think, chose to not start on Sunday. But well, he crashed. Holy, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I actually had him written down. Didn't even go look at the results yet. And I had Justin Weiss written down as 25 plus champion here to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then I went and looked at the points. And I'm like, oh crap. I'm like, music got it. I think it was four points. Yeah. Well, so the reason why, um, or I should say that the, that was, there was a lot of intrigue there because basically between Justin, between Brett and Zach, like whoever won was going to win the title. So, uh, so I was, I mean, I was, I was locked into, um, you know, locked into what was going on there and I uh, yeah, credit to Justin, right. I, he's a guy I want to get on the podcast. Um, because ATV racing means so much to him. It's, it's like, uh, it's like a vice to him. Um, so, so yeah, I want to, want to talk to Justin about that. I think he's a guy that a lot of listeners, uh, would like to hear from, but yeah, it was a, it was an awesome 25 plus title to watch there. It came right down to the wire. Bryce Ford, um, beat Zach Decker for his seventh pro-am win of the season and the championship. So top three in the pro class and now another pro-am title, just the cherry on top to another great season for Bryce Ford, Andrea Berger kind of going down the list, the now three-time WMX champ, um, returned not just to win WMX, but also win production B as well. Uh, so that was awesome. That was great to see. We'll have Andrea coming up as the final guest on our show tonight. Looking forward to that. And guys, uh, do you have anyone or anything else, um, either of you that you want to touch on Casey, I'll start with you as we kind of tie up the amateur racing for Briarcliff and the season as a whole. I have, uh, 
entire list here. So okay. hang on tight, boys. I'll try to go real quick. Yep. Uh, Dominic, Dominic Chiaka. I know I botched that, but um, stock class uh, championship. Mason Jackson with two championships. Obviously, we already touched on Dane with the impressiveness that he's had this year between winning his two championships and um, <clears throat> winning two of the three pro sport moto or races that he in or raced. Um, Andrew Shadow, uh, production A champion, he ended up winning it over Corey Edwards, which Corey had a very impressive year. Um, both of these guys are going to be guys that really watch out for next year. I think him, Molander, and or Edwards, Shadow, and Molander are all going to battle battle it out next year. Um, Noah Arnold, uh, clutch win on Sunday to win the Youth All-Star Championship. Um, and again, hats off to Justin with the 25 plus, and then, you know, obviously Brett Music winning that championship and taking that ring from you. Mm-hmm. Um, one other, another girl here that, you know, I don't know if you guys have really heard of is uh, Kinsey Osborne. Um, <laughs> her, her and uh, Natalie, honestly, I mean, I heard their names so much this year and, and I'll be honest, I didn't really know Kinsey before this year. And I still don't know her personally at all. I just heard her name so many times I had to start going and watching and watching these races more. And, you know, I'm helping Natalie this year. So I've watched a lot of those races. Um, personally, I think there's a lot of girls that are the future of the WMX, but these two are going to be kind of what we're seeing right now between Neve and Andrea. Um, Landon Corn, three championships, 90 shifters, schoolboy junior and super mini um, couldn't be any more impressed with that kid right now and it just what they're doing over there all together. Uh, Blake Umbaugh, he's another local um, Ohio kid, production B championship. Honestly, I think this is the biggest monument of his life. Like, he was so overjoyed, and I think that's just one of the coolest things to see. And I know I could have wrote down a list for so many guys. You know, Jameson Shaddle, which is Andrew Shaddle's nephew. He won the 125 championship. And then, you know, just – that's kind of like the main focus of what I went through and just looked through results and kind of jotting down some names of people that stood out to me all year long. And so I want to give all those guys and, you know, even some of the people I know that are going to be mad that I forgot um, what a great year 2021 was, you know, Jeremy, the track, you know, for Sunday, the amount of work, I know what you guys had to do. I've, I've built tracks before I've worked at a motocross track for years and so I know what it takes and, and similar dirt that what you guys are dealing with. And I know how the rain really, really hurts your day there. Um, and I think that the track really came around good for the amount of rain that we had. Um, so, but in closing, um, again, 2021, I think it came around to being one of the most iconic seasons that I've seen. And I've just seen some riders battle with heart out there that, um, you start to lose touch with it. And I, I really tried to find my roots this year. And I want to thank you, Cody. I think this show has actually helped me in that because it's making me focus on more than just my individual riders. That's my, obviously my main focus of being there. And those are the guys I got to take care of and doing this show. It's really gotten me to look at a bunch of different riders and look at it from a completely different perspective and almost made me become more of a fan of the sport that I didn't think it could be. I could be any more of a fan of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the level throughout the classes is just increased in all of the classes. It seems like the level of these riders is higher than ever. And yeah, like I'm proud. Um, last year we didn't touch on 
amateur stuff. And this year we've introduced this. And I hope that like, again, I'm proud that we're drawing some more attention and, and showcasing, even if it's, you know, just for a few minutes about some of the amateur riders that were able to stand out at these races. And, you know, my hope is going forward, obviously, you know, a, a big hope and goal for me is that riders, upcoming riders benefit from the stuff that digging deep is doing. But like, I hope that there's riders out there that want um, that some of their, their motivation is that they want to be mentioned, uh, you know, when we highlight the standout performances from these races. So, uh, so yeah, level is super high, um, and a bunch of standout athletes and performances at Briarcliff. Jeremy, do you have anybody else that you want to touch on? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, a couple others. Uh, I think, uh, Casey got most of them, but, um, there's a, a Ohio kid from up North Vincent Marinucci who, uh, wrapped up a, uh, title. And I think the, uh, 90 auto class, maybe. Okay. I, yep. He, uh, he's, he was super pumped. His dad, super pumped. They're a great family. They come to the track often. I was really happy to see them be able to achieve that goal. Definitely hats off to Natalie Jackson. She's they, those two, they make each other better. Mm-hmm. Uh, her and, uh, her and Kinsey, they, they just, man, they, they throw down. It's, it's pretty wild to watch when they're both on. It's it's pretty cool. Well, that's the uh, that's the future of of female uh, ATV racing. Um, so yeah, go on. But yes, like those two making each other better, they're going to be a force as they move up through the ranks here. Oh, for sure. And they they, I didn't. I kind of thought they would keep going because they they went into uh, 2019, the last round of Loretta's. It was between her. Uh, I think her, Natalie, and Olivia Joyner okay. uh, is a, basically whoever won, won. And uh, Kenzie just coming out on top that weekend. Um, but it, it's been a pretty cool ride to watch the, the girls kind of progress as they have. Um, the only other uh, mention I want to put out there is uh, Brian Jenkins. Yeah. Brian ended up winning 40AB, and I <clears> – <throat> I thought that was a pretty cool thing. Uh, I thought so too. And that's the one name I have on my list of amateurs on my sheet um, that I didn't already mention because yeah, I mean, obviously we know like the, the parade lap for Michelle that, mm-hmm. you know, you guys held in the memorial and stuff like that earlier in the weekend. We know that um, I'm sure it was emotional for Brian because this is, this would have been their home national together. And then, yeah, for him to go out there and, and get the win and those super competitive uh, class that is that 40 AB uh, to get that win. That's incredible. So I'm super happy you mentioned that. Oh, for sure. He, uh, it was like kind of like icing on the cake for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a perfect weekend except for, you know, the weather uh, Saturday night, but to see him go out and win on, on this particular weekend, yep, it, yeah. it was awesome. Yep. It was. Yep. It was. Uh, I don't think that there's any better way to tie up our amateur coverage than that. So, uh, credit and congrats to him. Uh, always, um, thinking about Brian throughout this season, obviously. And then everything that you did, Jeremy, um, in the series did, it was just a, a special year, the way that, um, everybody ATV motocross as a whole remembered, remembered Michelle and everything, uh, with that. So just, uh, credit to, credit to Brian on ending the the season and uh, the weekend on such a high note. As I posted on social media, ATV motocross is alive and well. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. That was very apparent at Briarcliff uh, that ATV motocross is 
Um, like I said, at a, at a higher point, I feel like right now than we've seen in recent years, Jeremy, I know you had a call to action for anyone that had a good experience over the weekend, right? So maybe, uh, fill me in a little bit more on that. I know, uh, you were asking people to possibly reach out to the series and tell them that we want to return to Briarcliff in 2022 and beyond. Oh, for sure. I, I, I started with Harv and Mm -hmm. Kevin when they were walking out the door for the weekend, I said, make sure you let the, you know, the series coordinators know you want to come back here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty simple. If you, if you're, if you're happy about something and you had a good experience somewhere, leave a good review, let, yeah, exactly. let, let the people know this is how you feel. Cause everybody's got a voice. And if you want to see something good, continue to grow and get better. Uh, just, you know, positive mental attitude. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. So that's your, that's your call to action to the listeners out there. Um, however, however you do it, reach out to the the series and let them know that we want to go back to Briarcliff. I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. I've been thinking that this whole time. I don't know how you couldn't see all the excitement and the vibes around the Briarcliff race, the pictures, the people, I don't know how you could come away from that and think that we're not going to go back there, but, and, but, uh, without people reaching out, I mean, that's the, that's even the more nudges to make it happen. So let's make that happen for, for Jeremy. I seen, I seen that post and I, I kind of thought it was funny because I was kind of like, was it in question? And so, I mean, I know <laughs> as a promoter, Jeremy, and as a track owner, like you want all the support and it's, it's hats off. Like I already sent my email, but at the same time, like I was like, I think it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. I think I the agree. series is going to say it's a no-brainer. I think mm-hmm. Harv and Kevin were happy with everything. Kevin Warder was happy. I mean, you know, but we all have our thoughts, you know, well, what if again? But at the same time, as an ATV community and as someone that has put everything I got into this sport, whether it be for my job or just for, say, this show or anything that I can do to help anyone, um, when we can go to a, a racetrack that the promoter, the track owner is so involved in quad racing and ATV racing and, and is pushing to put on an event. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it shouldn't even be in question whatsoever, but at the same time, you guys, if you had a good experience, like Jeremy said, if you go somewhere and you have it, send a review, the review is to send it to racer productions or MX sports and get them to make sure we solidify And we have this on the schedule when we get to the banquet that Jeremy's also a part of. So again, look at the guy, look at the people that are wanting to be involved and let's make sure we support them. So get out there and do it. Exactly. Go ahead. Not only that, but it also, I think sometimes the ATV motocross community gets, you know, we, we kind of fall on deaf ears a little bit because uh, the Loretta Lynn program is huge. Other other things that they work on, like GNCC, is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, we, you know, I, it wouldn't hurt for us to to you know vocalize what we think and let them know that we, we have that we have better numbers than they may think we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I. Uh, there was a resounding response to the message on the last episode, Jeremy, with you, when we were saying, Hey, like, we don't need to go to the biggest name racetracks. We need to go to tracks that really want to have us with promoters like you, Jeremy, when the promoter calls an ATV motocross national, his super bowl, 
good things are going to happen to the sport. It's going to be a great experience for the riders and the fans. And I'll say it right now. I mean, ATV motocross would be better with more promoters like you, Jeremy. There's no doubt in my mind. Definitely. And I agree. I mean, and that was kind of part of what I was going to say is when, when you're saying this is your Super Bowl, I mean, you have Loretta qualifiers, like you have races all the time and you could see it in the weekend. I mean, as soon as I rolled in and, you know, Kevin, I drove the CST rig this weekend okay. and Kevin come over and he's like, Hey, there's your spot. I'm like, I know I can see where it's already written on the ground. I mean, you turn pulled right in my spot. A couple hours later, Jeremy come by and he's like, Hey, you like your spot? And I'm like, how can I complain about this? Like I'm perfectly flat. I got nice grass right in front of me. I'm front row. I can see the racetrack from where I'm at. So when I was out changing tires on Friday, like I could watch, you know, some parts of it. There were some campers that ended up moving in front of me. So I couldn't see as much as I thought I was going to be able to see, but that's because the turnout was so good that we were, you know, it was packed in there and the layout of the whole place was good. It, it was a good time. Mm -hmm. I cannot freaking wait to be back at Briarcliff next season. Can't wait for it. Um, as we get out of here, we got to tie this thing up. We ran, ran way long, uh, but just so much to talk about with the, this awesome race with the awesome season. Uh, before we head into the off season, Casey, do you have any last words for us? Um, I just look forward to, I look forward to next year and I want to thank, you know, everyone, whether you are a customer of mine or you're not, you know, but just for supporting the ATV racing, I, I hope it comes out in these shows, how much passion I have for this. And I think it does. I hear, you know, I get a lot of people that tell me, you know, you can really tell you actually care about this stuff. And I really do. I mean, you know, my wife tells me all the time, she's like, you literally don't think about anything else. I'm like, well, that's contrary to what you believe, but no, this is my number one passion in a sense, besides my wife and my kids. Um, but this is obviously also how I make my livelihood. But, you know, even if I was to go do something different as a career path or chose a different career path, you know, my involvement with this sport would still stay intact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think when you're bitten by the bug, like we are, um, there's just, there's no way around it. I mean, ATV motocross is in our blood, uh, guys, that's a wrap on the 2021 season. What, like I said, what a finale, what a season it was, Jeremy, I can't thank you enough for being with us for these last two episodes. Uh, thanks to you, obviously thanks to Briarcliff for putting on an amazing event. Like I said, a minute ago, ATV motocross is better because of you. So we, on behalf of the sport as a whole, uh, I can't thank you enough, pal. I mean, to put on an awesome event, to be part of these shows and, uh, just to show people that these events can be next level when the promoter, uh, you know, values this opportunity and ATV motocross, ATV nationals hosting an ATV national, the way you do, um, it's incredible. So I just can't thank you enough for being a part of this. And I can't thank you on behalf of everybody in ATV racing. I can't thank you enough for being so awesome for the sport. Like you are. Oh, no, thank you. Um, as I mentioned in my text, it's an honor to even be allowed to, to speak on here. And I, I don't know that I necessarily do a great job at it. I'm not a public speaker, but I try. Um, I think the ATV racing community owes you a big thank you. This podcast is great. Um, I, it has great content. People listen to it. It gets people excited about the weekend coming up. Um, so you're, you're doing a great service to the community and to everybody that's racing ATVs in, in any discipline. 
Well, I appreciate that, Jeremy. We're working our asses off at it. And uh, I'll tell you, you were on the last episode and that was our biggest episode. The numbers were gigantic. They were the biggest since our Daytona review um, show. So, so I don't, I think you need to give yourself a little more credit. You're good on these shows. And uh, the listener response was amazing. Casey, uh, you too. I can't thank you enough for always rolling with us here at digging deep. Um, I, I can't even, I can't even put into words how thankful I am for all the time you spent this season chatting about the races, all the stuff you've done to support us here, and you just being a part of the show with all your knowledge and history. Uh, I mean, you're invaluable to us. So I can't thank you enough. Your knowledge, your time, your support means the world to us. And we truly couldn't do it without you, Casey. I can't thank you enough. And, you know, I thank you and I appreciate it. And I appreciate the kind words and, you know, continuing to have me back on here. And, you know, I'm sure at times, Maybe other people, I don't know. So far, so good is what I'm going to stick with. <laughs> Until I piss enough people off, I guess we're <laughs> going to keep doing it. And, um, you know, like I said, you, you don't even have to ask anymore. You just You can just send me the link and the time for the most part, um, and I'll be ready to go. I can't thank you enough, Casey. Uh, that's a wrap. Wrap on a great season. Wrap on a great event. We got to thank Valvoline, the original motor oil, and my choice for my race quads, commuting vehicles, small engines, and everything in between. Thanks to Yamaha and their race ready YFZ450R. We got some big news coming with that. Check out yamahaoutdoors.com or on their social media accounts, Yamaha Outdoors, and tell them that Digging Deep sent you. And that'll do it, guys. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Cody. Thank you very much. Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC has been supplying riders with aftermarket components from the industry's top brands for over a decade. With over 80,000 products in stock for your ATVs, UTVs, metric, and HD motorcycles, dirt bikes, and snowmobiles, Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC can tend to all your power sports needs, from hard parts to riding gear. Bike Strikes and Quads also offers hard-to-find used parts for your vintage dirt bike, ATV, three-wheeler, or snowmobile. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for 10% off of orders of $100 or more. We're grateful to have Bike Strikes and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Thank you, BTQ LLC. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Gripped's drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the Family Affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gripped movement, because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at grippedgloves.com, that's G-R-I-P-T gloves.com, and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. Just like the sport of ATV motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. Our sport is compiled of many great people, and leading that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing-owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by the 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, late model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, 
and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. With over 25 years of experience, the concrete division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. For a quote, additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to LaundervilleSteel.com or give them a call today. We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. All right, guys, our final guest of the night is a returning guest and someone I go way back with, as I've noted many times here on the podcast. Brought to you by our friends at Rocky Mountain ATVMC, your one-stop shop for parts, gear, and everything in between to make your ride the best ride. Click the Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com today for all your gear and parts needs and to help us out. Say hello to your three-time reigning and defending WMX national champion, Miss Andrea Berger. Andrea, congrats on the three-peat and welcome back to Digging Deep. Hey, thanks, Cody. So you asked me if you could join the show this week. And the answer was, of course, yes, um, because we absolutely love having you. But it was it was perfect to get you on now. Um, you wanted a chance to talk on a few cool things that happened at Briarcliff. Um, so without kind of covering the female side of stuff, we want, I mean, it makes sense to do that because that was such a huge part of what happened at Briarcliff. Uh, very special weekend for you. And that really started even before the race weekend began, uh, when we got word that you and Neve Shaw were going to both be featured on an event t-shirt at Briarcliff, that had to be quite the honor, Andrea, right from the get go special weekend for you. That had to be quite the honor. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm still beaming from it, honestly. I mean, I just can't believe how um, I was so excited when I first found out and Jeremy really helped it actually. So I got to thank a couple of people, the Moto T guys, they did a lot of background work and their team did a lot of, like I said, a lot of background work, talking to a bunch of people. And then Jeremy also drove the bus on getting women's on t-shirts. So big shout out to them, but just overall excitement. Um, I still can't believe this is actually happening or it actually did happen. And Mm -hmm. I guess my five-year-old self is just super impressed with what the whole, whole thing. It's amazing, isn't it? I couldn't hide the smile on my face when Jeremy broke that news on air with us. Uh, I think that it did go kind of public on social media prior to our, uh, our, you know, podcast dropping. There was like a 24 hour period there. Um, but yeah, he, when I first heard it, I couldn't hide the smile on my face. Huge, huge honor. I, you know, I was featured on an event shirt um, in, in, I don't know what year it would have been 2016, maybe or something. And, uh, and I just, I mean, it was the honor of a lifetime. It's, it's to me, it was like, man, to they're going to sell these shirts for this big event. And, and I'm on the shirt. Like you just, like you said, your five-year-old self, me growing up as a little boy, um, I would have never fathomed that that was going to be able to, to be a reality. And then for you, Um, I mean, this isn't something that we've seen in, in years and years again, just what an honor. It's like, you probably had to feel like you had to be pinched. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was just incredible. Um, and just being able, like we even got to pick our own picture and whatnot and like, okay, right on there. So, um, yeah, it's just overall overwhelming, incredible, super excited. I know Shaw was too, um, Mm -hmm. me and 
me and her both were just ecstatic of being on there. See, and and you got the advantage of kind of picking out the the picture and stuff. See, I never saw uh, like a template or a proof or whatever of this thing before it went live and uh, of my shirt when I was on the event tee and they spelt my name wrong. So the, the one time that I got to be on the event tee, oh, no. <laughs> they spelt my name wrong. So that's, that, that's, that's how it went for me. But uh, one of the other really special things that Jeremy previewed with us was the autograph signing for yourself and the, the ladies of WMX there at Briarcliff, another really special happening and something that you ladies truly deserve. How did that go over? Uh, that went fantastic we had quite a bit quite a bit of a line um of people wanting to sign our posters and t-shirts and whatnot so that was super cool to also witness that and um be a part of that uh wmx ladies i think everyone was probably getting cramps in their cheeks from smiling too much and just laughing (laughs) oh (laughs) that's awesome yeah, it was really cool. Um, and a little bit of a backstory behind that. So I got to give a shout out to Holly Carol. She, okay. um, she's a, one of the girls. She actually brought this idea up to me at New York. Okay. So, um, and I mean, I was tossing around about making posters and whatnot, but I just didn't know how to make it happen. Okay. Um, but then we made a group chat. We decided that like, Hey, we can get these made. Holly knew how to make posters and how to do the graphic design. So she did that for quite a few girls. And so did uh, Josh Klein and we got it all together. Our, we were aiming for Redbud to get it done. And then, then fell back to Loretta's. And then we finally were like, all right, Jeremy said, we can do it there. Let's just do it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, like I said, it, it fit perfectly with everything going on at Briarcliff. I mean, Jeremy is such an advocate for, you know, kind of the, the ladies and, and female ATV racers, which is awesome. Uh, Josh did mention it earlier in the season. Now that you say that on one of our episodes and yeah, I, I wondered about that. Cause I was actually looking at the pictures and I'm like, well, would they all have, have, you know, posters to, to sign and give away. So, and then when I looked at the pictures, I obviously saw these posters. So it's actually really cool to hear that backstory on that. You guys kind of got together and, uh, and made it all happen as a group. That's, that's really special. It also speaks to the quality of the, the, the individuals, the people in that WMX class. That's pretty special. It's gotta be cool to kind of have that fraternity, that group of ladies, that, that togetherness, that's, that's pretty special in itself. It is. I mean, I think we all have mutual respect for each other. And I, I love the fact that we don't fight. We don't do anything. We just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we cheer each other on. So it's mm-hmm. um, just having and knowing that people aren't at, e- at each other's backs or throats. It's, it's good to have. Mm-hmm. And and I love the fact that Jeremy and, and a few others out there that you've mentioned here, um, but that there's a lot of those people that are really trying to bring some added exposure and attention to, to women's ATV racing. I think with more stuff like that, and you and I touched on this before we hit record when we were just kind of uh, chatting back and forth before we started here. But I think the more stuff that we can do like that, you're going to see more, you know, young girls get into ATV racing because it gives younger women, you know, more to look forward to more to motivate them uh, by showcasing you top riders It allows you to lead by example a little easier. And I feel like it showcases you top riders better. It gives these younger girls something to shoot for and aspire to be. I think that that's huge. And like I said to you earlier, I think the trickle down effect can't even be measured. It's so it's so huge. Yeah, totally. 
And I love how you've seemed to, to take on a leadership role for the women. You've touched on that here as well. But when I, when I see Andrea Berger and what you do and all that you're about, I see someone who's attempting to help make this sport grow. Is that where some of your motivation comes from? Yes, it definitely is. I feel like it has definitely changed my goals within the last year, I would say, or at least last nine months. My goal has now been to, even if I don't win, I still want to cheer on the other girls and go to the other classes or the different lineups for the younger women and help them out at the line. I mean, that's one of my goals. And then just have them able to look, look to someone. Mm-hmm. Um, or look up to someone. Mm-hmm. That's huge. I mean, not everybody is cut out for that role. And I said this on episodes earlier in the season, but like you're that you're the perfect person for that. Uh, you're just, I think you're a natural leader and we see that happen. We see that with, uh, you know, the John Natalies of the past, the Chad Wienens now Joel Hattrick. I mean, we see that with some of those guys that they are leaders that they lead by example, their presence is just a huge thing for the sport. And you're very much taking on that role on the female side of things. Um, and you've been anointed that leader because on track, you're the unquestioned leader. You clinched your third consecutive WMX national championship a few weeks back. Uh, what did that mean to you, Andrea, to complete the three-peat? Because that's pretty special. We don't hear about that often, especially, you know, WMX is a top-tier class. Uh, three-peats don't happen very often, and you pulled that off. Uh, so what it really means to me, it was, um, gosh, I don't, actually don't even know. That's kind of in-depth. <laughs> um, it just means I worked as hard as I could this year. Mm-hmm. Um, improving my program. I guess there was a lot of work that went into my program and I'm just extremely happy that it got to show. Well, that's what makes it special, right? Is, you know, you sacrifice, you, you know, you dedicate yourself to something, you work real hard. That's what makes it. That's the part that makes it special. If you put in, you know, half-ass effort and you were still able to win, it wouldn't be that special, right? But you work your tail off and the competition's really good. I think the competition is getting better and better each, each and every year throughout this three-peat run. And the fact that you, you, you know, really dedicate yourself, work real hard towards something and reap the benefits of it later. That's what makes it so special. Like that's what we feed off of as, as competitors. Am I, am I right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So this past weekend, uh, you grabbed another win in WMX, your sixth win of the season, but you also grabbed the win in the production freaking B class. Tell me about that. That's huge. All right. I'm not going to lie. I am probably more excited about winning the production <laughs> B class in my WMX class. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was 19 people on that line, including myself mm-hmm. going into one corner and I got the whole shot and let, led the entire race. I mean, that for me was insane. I mean, I've gotten the whole shot in the B class quite a few times this year, but never have been able to stick it um, uh-huh. and stay in number one position. But this year, I mean, or this last race. Yeah. I, I was able to. So it was super cool. (laughs) It's it's incredible. Um, I remember people talking about Angela Moore or some of those riders back then, specifically her though, uh, getting, you know, wins in the boys classes in the early two thousands and, or mid, mid two thousands. And people still talk about it to this day. So that's why I was like, uh, to, to get the win in the production B class, probably the premier B class. Uh, again, that's, that's absolutely huge. Like we couldn't not touch on that. That's, that's incredible. So that had to make that podium celebration that much more special. Like you said. Yeah. 
Exactly. And I know in production B class, uh, the top three guys that run in there, um, it was a three-way battle for first. And I just kind of threw a wrench into everything. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you'd love to be that spoiler. So yeah. <laughs> touching touching on some other classes there, then the the last time we had you on the show here back in February, we discussed this new at the time women's 15 plus class for 2021. And Andrea, uh, it's been a major hit. I feel like that class has been big or bigger as big or bigger than WMX all season long. Um, it's, it's obviously a great bridge class to school girl from school girl to WMX. And I think that this is a class that's going to pay huge dividends in the future of, of female ATV racing. I really do think uh, you hit the nail um, right on the head. I mean, I think it's a great bridge class. Um, it does have pros and cons to it, but overall, I think it's going to help the sport more than anything. And just being able to have people or ladies from the WMX class drop down to that class and then have other ladies on there coming up from schoolgirl or just either riding local and want to go into a, a women's class. I think it's a great class. I mean, it's a pro-am class basically for women. Exactly. I love that because I mean, you know, it, it can, I'm sure be a little intimidating for those younger riders as they graduate from uh school girl uh, before you had to go straight to WMX. So somebody coming off a of 250 had to go straight to racing you. Um, I do think, again, I think that you see it with the numbers because the numbers of that class have been big. So you have some of the school girl, you know, girls you have, if they're the right age and you have the, the non-champions of the WMX class, I think that, um, again, I think that that's huge for the future of, of, uh, women's racing. And you see some of the talent in there. Uh, I, I mean, that's going to pay huge dividends when, you know, girls like Kinsey Osborne and Natalie Jackson, when they're able to jump up to the, the WMX class, I mean, they're going to be in the mix. I feel like, like that's, that's huge because they're already kind of ready after racing some of these, you know, classes prior to getting to WMX. Exactly. And they can see where they line up and where they're going to line up in WMX class. I truly think it's a great, extremely great, um, program to have. Mm -hmm, exactly. And I love the fact, and I think we touched on this on the last episode with Jeremy, but to give, to give the ladies more class, simply more classes to run. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago where you had to race, you know, WMX and then you had to race B class. I mean, you're capable of running B, but, uh, and, and obviously winning B, but that's not everybody. That's not something that everybody can do, or, or maybe doesn't feel comfortable doing that. So just simply having another class to race too, I feel like that's a, that's a big thing in itself for the series, just giving ladies like more, more classes to run. I think that that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I agree. And, but, and, and kind of disagree. I mean, at the same time, I do hope that other women do race against the guys. I okay. mean, I think that's, <laughs> but I, at some, at the same point though, um, just given that opportunity mm -hmm. to race and other women and to give them the feeling like, yeah, this is just women. I don't have to worry about the guys. Mm -hmm. They know me, that kind of deal. It's a smaller world. Sure. Give them out it. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you going out there and winning production B is probably going to motivate a few other, other ladies to get out there and, and try their, their hat, you know, throw their hat in the ring on that thing. So, uh, so what's the plan? Are we, are we aiming for four for four next season? I mean, what drives you at this point? Maybe, a maybe a B class title in 2022. What, what do we, what do we got planned for next year? Uh, well, next year, let's say, um, well, I would like to go out again, probably get a, what is it called? Four Pete. Yeah. Four Pete. Um, yep. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll probably aim for that. No doubt. Um, I've been on the edge of either, uh, getting out of B class and maybe going to, um, an A class. I know it'd be kind of top 10, okay. not top five necessarily, but honestly, where it went, the thing I had a hard time with this year with B class was it was either right before my second WMX class, sorry, second WMX class or mm-hmm. right after. Okay. So running with like a lot of energy, but had to save it mm-hmm. and, or I had no energy and gotcha. try to do my best. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I think that that happened to me uh, some of the times too um, with like pro sport and the first 25 plus moto at times was like three races apart or whatever. And yeah, like that's tough. I mean, you want to like, as, as competitors, you want to leave the track having spent all your energy and knowing that you have to go out there, you know, quick turnaround. Uh, that's, that's an, like a nearly impossible thing to do. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to do. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, curious to see, uh, what you end up racing next year, but obviously we know you're going to be successful in whatever you, you line up for, you're going to be shooting for that, uh, four Pete that you mentioned. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be really exciting. And, and again, I think that the racing and the level of, ra- of racers level of competition this season was better than we've seen in some of the, the recent years. I think that the the WMX classes. I mean, I would, I guess you can tell me what you think, but WMX class 2021, I think was probably the fastest one you've lined up in. Oh, definitely is. Mm-hmm. I mean, both me and Neve have, <laughs> we had so many battles out there and we push <laughs> each other to go faster. I think each and every round, I mean, she is not slow by any means. Oh my God. No, long. she's right. Like right there. You can probably throw a blanket over us. Mm-hmm. It was very, it was very close. So, so I remember talking about this on the show and at one point, um, it must've been when you had three wins and she had two and there was a big, it was a big swing weekend that weekend because either you were going to go up, uh, four to two, or you guys were going to be deadlocked at three wins a piece. It was as competitive as could be at one point, And you just really flexed your muscles down the stretch, but it was a battle. Like there was no doubt it was a battle. I mean, she is absolutely no slouch. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that was, I, that was New York where we, um, mm-hmm. we battled it out on that Saturday. Yes. Yes. And, <laughs> um, both motos, she got the whole shot on the first moto and she led the entire way. Um, and the second moto, I ended up getting the whole shot and led it. And man, she was right there giving me no breaks whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Well, Andrea, I had to, I had to, uh, pound the drum for you all season long. I mean, there were some of these guys on these shows picking against you and there was no doubt in my mind that you were going to get this thing done in the end. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that, <laughs> that actually just fires me up a little bit more and just like, all right, now I got to do this. Prove him wrong. <laughs> right, right, right. Hey, Chad tells me the same stuff. He's like, you know, I listen to what's said on that show where I read the post and I don't like them, but I, uh, <laughs> but I know what's being said and just know that the stuff that I hear on your show just motivates me. 
Yep. It's in the back of your mind during those motos. Don't, mm-hmm. don't you worry. <laughs> no, no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, credit to credit to Shaw. I mean, she put on a, a great effort, a great battle against you. Um, I, and I've set it up and down, but I mean, with, with your and my past, uh, you know, being that we come from the same area, I, we grew up at the racetracks together. Um, I mean, I, I feel like we were around each other. I was racing your dad when I was, you know, a young kid, like, um, we were around each other completely. So my loyalty, is obviously to you, um, but absolutely nothing against Shaw. Like I, I want to see her do well, obviously, of course, as well, just, um, you know, I'm, I'm Andrea Berger fan through and through. Oh, thanks for the support. Appreciate it. <laughs> Andrea, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Uh, this is so much fun. I can't thank you enough for all that you do to help lead and help make ATV motocross better. Um, just want to thank you for your time, of course, and then congratulate you on a great season. couple uh, big time wins at Briarcliff. I'm just so damn proud of you. It's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You're the best. That's three-time reigning and defending WMX national champion, Andrea Berger, brought to you by Rocky Mountain ATVMC. Click that banner on our website to get your gear, parts, or what have you, and to help us out. Thanks again, Andrea. Congrats, and we'll see you soon. Yep, thanks. What a season, guys. I can't believe it's over. Great episode as well. I feel like we covered everything there was to cover from Briarcliff and the season as a whole. We ended this thing with a bang, and we're stoked on that. Major thanks to tonight's guests, Chad Weenan, Andrea Berger, Jeremy Osborne, Casey Greek, and Aaron Bates. Thanks to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother. Thanks to Brooke and AMA official Harv Whipple. Thanks to our latest and returning donor, Ed Hayden. You're the man. And special shout-out to the Ford and Stanfield families. I want to take a moment to thank all the photographers and other media sources out there who we work closely with. Ken Hill, Tremellon Media House, PH3 Photos, Gloop from Rip It Up Films, of course, and there are a few others as well. Uh, The social media side of Digging Deep is such a huge part of what we do, and if it wasn't for the graciousness of these guys, these photographers, these other sources, we'd have no material when it comes to social media as far as posting goes. So I just want to make sure that all of those individuals know how much we appreciate them. Thanks again. Thanks to our sponsors, CST Tires. Go to shop.csttires.com. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew, Valvoline, SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with Digging Deep 20 at manscaped.com. Support the brands that support our show, and don't forget to use those codes to save. Find it all on our website, and be sure to click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner for all your gear and parts needs and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Our show merchandise, including Digging Deep shirts and hoodies, our Quad Guys Get Hot Chicks shirts and hoodies, back-to-back National Champ merch is on closeout, and more are all available at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com. If you're looking for another easy way to help support us, visit our website and click the Buy Me a Coffee button. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to support our efforts, and you'll hear your name on the show, which is pretty awesome. You can call our voicemail line anytime, 920 569 
5519 and follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content, Digging Deep ATVMX Fantasy Info, and more as we head into the offseason here. Thanks so much to everyone who played ATV Fantasy, by the way. It made this season so much fun, and I promise that you won't want to miss it in 2022. As for the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links and discount codes, our new show merchandise, fantasy info, and more can all be found on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, so check that out today. Be a friend, tell a friend, please download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. It's officially the off-season, guys, which means we have all kinds of different content coming soon, from past riders to listener stories and questions episodes, tech episodes, and more. We're going to grab another gear as we head into the off-season here, so don't be afraid to reach out with some of your thoughts and suggestions. In fact, please do so. And with that, for Chad Weenan, Andrea Berger, Jeremy Osborne, Casey Greek, Aaron Bates, Brooke Catherine, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Thanks for listening to the number one podcast in ATV racing, 2 million downloads and counting. Until next time, thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. Thanks for spending your 2021 ATV Motocross season with us. Until next time. Things are crashing and burning here at the Dig Deep Podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. Quadlers are freaking gnarly.